Hey, this is Sam for Dobbs. If you need tires, hop on our website, go to Dobbs.com. We'll save you time searching brands, sizes, and prices, and save you money because we sell tires at the lowest price in town, guaranteed. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Happy Monday. Great to have you with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Carrie Davis, Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker. It is 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Morning, CD. How you doing? I am doing well, sir. How are you? Good. We've come in here a few Monday mornings with the Blues having lost their last game. A few. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't taken time to look at the schedule and see how many Sunday or Saturday games we've We've had to endure and come in on Monday morning and, and talk about. Seems like pretty it's, many. It's been, been a few. We're going to talk to more, more, more than I'd like. Yeah. Or, you know, it's yeah. part of it. Hey, happy holidays. It's, it's okay. So uh, we got this week and then next week and then it's Christmas. Yeah. That is here. It's uh, guys, get going. Randy, I, I am guys. I, I <laughs> guys is me. You're talking directly to me. I, I gotta get going. I have. I, I don't know where the time went, Randy. We are uh, 13 days yeah. away. Yeah, is that right? Well, you oh, still got goodness. time because as Michelle Smallman always did. Was everything was online and it was click done. There you go. Yep, that's me. Oh, yeah. can, Amazon get here in it's a day. It's unbelievable. It's hopefully uh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, hopefully is the, <laughs> the operative word there. We're going to talk to Chris Kerber later on about the Blues game. We got a lot to cover for you this morning, including a Blues three-two overtime loss to Colorado. Well, it was kind of Colorado at Enterprise Center because the real Stanley Cup champion Avalanche weren't there. Uh, yeah, had a few people. Missing. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> with, with all of their scratches, they were still able to come away with a victory. The the Avalanche scored first, and Miko Ranton and the one guy who who is one of their regulars scored ten fifty eight into the game. It was a one nothing lead for the visitors. Blues came back though. Vladimir Tarasenko in the second, a one one game heading into the third period, and then in the third period with just a minute thirty six on the clock, the Blues grabbed the lead. Blues force it ahead. Can they get there? Sod works in. Sod shorthanded. He scores. Brandon Sod delivers the shorty. Blues take the lead. 136 to go in the third period. All right. I'm confident at that point. I'm a, a shorthanded goal, and the Blues were able to score, and they lead by a score of two to one. I'm thinking, okay, Blues will hang on to this baby. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. Uh, Randon again. And oh, by the way, as I look at the STL on ice, 10, 50, 52, 55, 77, and 90. Randon from Comfer and Taves. And at the 1951 mark of the third period CD, the Avalanche were able to tie it at two. And that was kind of disappointing. It was. It, it, with seven seconds left, I, I talked to you about it a minute ago, the fact that Barbashev went out. His helmet mm-hmm. came off, and, and I asked you, Randy, why didn't they stop play? 
That's a rule. It should keep. They should stop play. Yeah. Hey, the the, the Avalanche got it. It's pretty simple. Yeah. The Avalanche. I guess you could. Guys would be knocking their helmets off on purpose. Maybe. Maybe mm-hmm. not. But it was a six on four. Um, and I, I was telling you all again. There there are guys camped out in front of the net. And generally, when the opposing team camps out in front of the net, that tends to lead to goals. And that's what happened. And you get to overtime, and again, it's three on three. And unfortunately for the Blues, and unfortunately for him, 55 is on the ice. They won that draw. Nachushkin's going to bring it over the line, leave it for McCarr. He shoots it on, rebound, and they score. It hit off of Bennington. The Blues don't tie up the other player. And he has 29 seconds into overtime, win by a score of 3-2. to two. I love Kerb. <laughs> he didn't sound really enthused at all. It no. just just call it call it like he sees it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> at that point, he, he said it again. We didn't we got didn't tie up the guy in front of the net. You know, you got guys camping out in front of the net. They they are there to get rebounds and score goals and that's what happens when you don't move people from from right in front of them. And so you've got a Colorado team that's just devastated by injuries, and they still come away with a 3-2 overtime victory against the Blues. Coach Craig Berube of the Blues on those last two goals the Blues gave up. Well, on the first one, that's not what happened because it goes off Miklas' skate, hits Comfer, you know, it, in the crease and drops down, and it's it, it's probably going in anyhow. You know what I'm saying? I don't... It didn't look like we got out muscled in that play. It's a broken play. It went off. Meeks, we were in pretty good position. You know, just it, it, it's an unlucky play. The other one, yeah, we got to box a guy out better going on that. So the question, obviously, you don't have to say it, but you read between the lines with Colton Preko, who's really, really struggling. Yeah. I mean, I think that's been the frustration for Blues fans for a while, just you look at his stature, you look at his size, and you would hope that a guy that big would be able to box people out, move people from in front of. I'm not asking you to take runs at guys or, or be extremely physical, but that part of the game, it's a must. And, and you know, you don't want to – it's not – again, I don't think guys are not trying to do their job. They're not trying to, to not do their job at a, at a level that they need to, but it still needs to get better. And, and when you don't – do what you're asked to do or what is required of you, you generally mm-hmm. don't continue to get those opportunities to do that. That's how sports work. And so we'll see going forward if he continues to have those opportunities with that amount of time on the ice. But I, I need him to move people out of the way. You know, just 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 get them, well, move them back. And just a couple feet. I think I would want a coach that provided the positive reinforcement that the coach just provided. I, I I mean, that was... Uh... Sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. Everything that's wonderful is what I feel when we're together. Not completely disappointed, is the coach? No. I mean, we did a lot of good things, like I said. But, you know, we're all disappointed we didn't win the game, uh, including all the players that played the game. Everybody. We're all disappointed. But it's a good point. Uh, we battled. We did a lot of good things, like I said, and we got to keep work, keep building off it, and keep working. We got a tough game again tomorrow coming in. I know it's tough for Craig Ruby, who is such a competitive guy, to kind of look at his team that has played now twenty eight games and be what Bill Parcells was. You're you are what your record says you are. Yeah, you, this is reality. Twelve, fifteen, and one for the Blues. That's reality. CD. That's that's what they are, and this is this just has a different feel to me than 
the, the last dozen seasons for the Blues, this just doesn't feel like it's going to turn around to me. Well, I mean, it, I think it still can. I think guys just have to it's just that little it's it's the small minute details that I think at times are lacking and, and like I said the full 60 minute game here you know you have certain instances where things come up and you don't finish the job seven seconds left on the clock obviously you know unfortunately Barbashev had to come out of the game but mm-hmm. you still need to find a way to finish that and not allow a goal to win that game and not even make it to overtime so there are small details in every single game that the t- this team can get better at and eventually They'll get it. They will get better at it, or they will find people that are better at it. Right. And the the reason that I say I use the Parcells quote is because I asked the question: Did the puck go in? Yeah. Yeah. So go. It's a goal. (laughs) (laughs) So unfortunately, that that that's how you get to twelve, fifteen, and one on the season after a three and zero start. That's another thing we have to keep in mind here. The Blues are really since that three and zero start, they're nine fifteen and one. Or if you want to use a loss, they're they're nine and sixteen. Yeah, man, that's tough. It's, it's not great. No, it, it's not. And it wasn't much better for our, our local basketball teams on Saturday. Kansas drills Mizzou ninety five sixty seven. Boise State a bad game for SLU. They just couldn't shoot at all. They had twenty six points in the first half, twenty six points in the second half, and they lose fifty seven fifty two to Boise State. You shouldn't be missing as many layups as SLU is missing. They're missing a lot. Ten for twenty five. Against Boise State. Yeah. 10 for 25 on layups. Not two point shots. No. Not shots inside the paint. I am saying literally on layups, they were 10 for 25. And I don't even think that was their worst game in that yeah. category. No. It's, it's, it's bad. They are legitimately below 50% on the season. On layups? On layups. You should probably dunk it then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if yeah. you're that close, just yeah. go up and dunk it. If you get if you if you get fouled, you go to the line. Right. It yeah, was just tough. Stop trying Gibson, to lay it up. Yeah, Gibson Jimmerman. Gibson Jimmer, Jimerson, <laughs> big game Gibby Jim. Had I like how you can say his weird nickname that you constructed that's kind of confusing better than his actual name. Well, Tim Lincecum was big game Timmy Jim, so this is big game Gibby Jim. Yeah, but, he, but they lost anyway. 57-52. Penn State knocks off Illinois 74-59. Randy, you, you go and beat Texas, the number two team in the country, and then you fall to a Penn State team. I, it it remind it gives me the feeling of Illinois football. I'm just telling you, it's how that made me feel. Yeah, you're only two in the Big Ten. Now. <laughs> yeah, it stinks. I mean, beating the number two team in the nation and getting walloped by 15 by an unranked yeah. conference opponent. That's that, just that, it's ridiculous. That's bad. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And uh, lost by 30, and I'm saying that yeah, Houston, yeah. number one team in the country, <laughs> fell to Alabama on Saturday, 71-65. And then on a positive note, last night. My fantasy football team went into the Chargers-Dolphins game down 10 against Tanner Hendrickson, who produces BKM for our Down 10. All right? He's got Jalen Waddle going. Okay. I've got Mike Williams going. T-Bone mm. Slippery. Yeah. T-Bone Slippery. But he wasn't last night. <laughs> so Mike Williams on a 55-yard pass from Justin Herbert in the fourth quarter moves uh, the Carriker squad past Tanner and essentially into the playoffs. And, hey, I have said on this show, I don't know if I said it on the air, but I've said it off the year. The team at the end of the season that's not going to make the playoffs that nobody would want to play if they did make the playoffs is CDs, TDs. Listen, we are we are fighting right Rolling. now. We are. We we beat Brad's bowl team, and mm-hmm. you know that's not saying much. Brad's bowl. Me and Brad are basically fighting for the basement, but I think he's one step lower than me. I at think this he point. may have checked out like on draft night. <laughs> he may have. No, hey, he checked in for that one pick. Okay. <laughs> 
So there you have it. We're off and running here on uh, the opening drive. Coming up, three things we loved about the weekend here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Randy Carricker and three things we loved about the weekend here Number. on 101 ESPN. Number three. All right, uh, CD, I don't know if you saw the photo of the Mizzou football coach, Eli Drinkwitz, in the stands <laughs> on Saturday as Mizzou played Kansas. Did you see it? I did see that. Holding a large white poster board that said, Five underlined level one violations, which is the number of level one violations the NCAA has found against the Kansas basketball team. And I know there are a lot of KU fans that are upset that somebody would even mention the fact that KU has five level one violations. Well, when Mizzou was having issues like that, I would have hoped that Kansas would have done the same thing. Because one thing Eli Drinkwitz understands is that he is, at the end of the day, in the entertainment yep. business. And he's having fun, especially with students and with Fans. He's playing to Mizzou fans. He doesn't yeah. care about KU. Just like he said on our air, I don't care about Jayhawks. And I love the fact that he's doing that. I get so tired of the the 45-year-old football coach who can't smile. Yeah. Says, yeah, we just got to pick up more first downs on third and three. <laughs> I, I get tired of the guy who walks to the podium and says that. I like a guy with personality. I like a guy who entertains me. So I got a kick out of Eli Drink was holding up the sign with the students, yes. by the way, that said five level one violations. It, you become more endearing to your to your students, mm-hmm. to your fan base, and people, you know, give you a little bit, a little bit, Less uh, a grief at times. I think it was an amazing thing, and it, he didn't tell a lie, did he? No, he did not. So if you're not lying, then it's okay, correct? <laughs> it should so be. He, he yeah. told the truth. He he showed the sign, and uh, I'm sure that student section loved the fact that he was sitting there with them and enjoying that moment with them. I think it was awesome. So Definitely. Hey, it, 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 and I know even Mizzou fans were saying, "Oh, that's embarrassing. A football coach shouldn't do that." Well, why not? But because they 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 don't like fun, Randy. Yeah, it's fun. So many people out here that don't enjoy fun. It's just absolutely amazing. Have a good time. Have fun. Uh, my number three is Jalen Hurts. Um, the 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 whooping that they put on their division rival in the New York Giants. He goes 12, 21 for thirty one, two hundred seventeen yards, two touchdowns passing. Added another seventy seven yards rushing and a touchdown. He is putting himself. I, I, him and him and Patrick Mahomes and Patrick took a step back with the three interception day yesterday. But Jalen is putting himself in position to be the MVP of the league this year. And if they continue, he's he's one of the best players on the best team in football. And the way that they're winning, the way that they're going about their business, they run the ball well with Miles Sanders and and Jalen. Obviously, um, they are going to be a tough out in this NFL postseason. And he is going to be, in my opinion, he should be one A, maybe one B for for NFL MVP only two right guys now. Left, only right? two guys, those those two, and, and like Mahomes I said, is the other. Patrick Patrick throwing the three interceptions yesterday, mm-hmm. maybe put himself a, a step back behind what Jalen Hurts has done so far. Kerry, let's go back. How did the and obviously he continued to win. How did the greatest college football coach of our era bench Jalen Hurts? He had uh, to a tongue of a low. He wasn't better. He he. Well, in that moment, that's what he needed. In, and, in one game, yeah, he was. Yep. But the next year, I mean, Jalen still played extremely well yeah, and, and right. extremely uh, at a high high level. And I, I was listening to Dan Orzlowski this morning, and and he mentioned Jalen's Jalen Hurts' progression in 
who he is as a quarterback, the steps that he's taken. There was a time last year where people were doubting that he was able to make those throws. Now you bring in A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith gets another another year under his belt. This man is doing amazing things in the passing game and running an offense, and it's, it's fun to watch, and he, is, he has made a leap from what he was last year to what he is this year. Like I said, MVP candidate, potentially the winner for this season. Number two. Kerry, speaking of potential, that St. Louis U basketball program has so much potential. It's one of the nicest facilities in America. They are able to get good players from a market that even, well, not not even, but their coach, uh, Travis Ford, says is one of the top five basketball producing, basketball player producing areas in the country. And when things are going well, that can be a pit for other teams. Now, obviously, Boise State won the other night, but the crowd was fantastic. It was big. It was loud. It was enthusiastic. It provided energy. And I'm of the opinion, because this is such an incredible sports town, if they ever get on a roll over at St. Louis U, Chaffetz Arena is going to be rocking. I think uh, it has a chance to be fantastic. I agree. I think they. Uh, you know, I think Travis Ford does a great job with those guys. And I, and I enjoyed the game I went to. I enjoyed the environment. It, it seems like it's a, a college environment. It's what you would expect from a co- from a big college. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. going to a game and you know all of the things that they do in between timeouts and at halftime. It's And then the play on the court is also very good. So they continue to win. I know they took a, a, a tough loss this weekend, but if they continue you to win, make a run in the tournament. You, you're looking at a, a place that could bring and draw a number of fans that would enjoy watching that program play basketball. And hopefully a number of players. There's really no reason except for the fact that it's just so so unique. Gonzaga is such a unicorn. Yeah. But in terms of the type of school, this type of enrollment, the type of facilities, they should be the Gonzaga of the Midwest. They could be. And, and as I said, if you if you Win you hopefully you win the mm-hmm. A10 and go on and make a a big a deep run Sweet 16, you know at at, at worst mm-hmm. you're you're putting yourself in position to gain more recruits get more um, information out about who you are as a program and what you're able to do and that's when people start showing up when you get the better recruits and get guys coming in. Yuri Collins is absolutely Stuck. one of the best players in the country yep. and they should be packing the house now for him. But going forward, when whenever he does leave. If they continue to win, it should be a lot more fans in there. They need that Sweet 16 run, if only because Bob Ramsey cannot keep going on calling, you know, like into into this into the 30th season without going to the second week of the NCAA go. tournament. Right. It's, 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 a, it's a crime. You got to do it for Rammer. Do it for Rammer. If nothing else, <laughs> that's, that should be the rally cry in the room before they come out. Do it for Rammer. <laughs> on three, Rammer. My number two is from a number nine, Jamison Williams, St. Louis native. Uh, got his first touchdown of his career, 41-yard touchdown. First catch of his career, first touchdown of his career. He's on pace to catch I don't know how many passes and how many touchdowns, but if he if he catches a touchdown for every pass, we'll, he'll be absolutely amazing. Yeah. So um, I said it last week, the fact that this Lions team is playing the way that they are, what he brings to this team is a deep threat that just really stretches the defense and allows everyone else to to make the plays that they continue to make. They go and beat a Minnesota Vikings team in the division. That is a huge win for this organization. Mm-hmm. I thought they were still, you know, a year away, but the additions that they've had, the draft picks that they've made, you know, the last couple of years, getting Jamison in there, I am I am sold on what Dan Campbell and the biting of the kneecaps that he's talking about and how they're going to be going forward. Okay, you see, D, you have a better eye for this than I do. Last week, 
uh, Jared Goff said he's playing the best football of his career. From, from when I watch Jared Goff, I, I like what I see. Yeah, I, I think he's playing pretty darn well. I think he's playing football that you can win with. Yes, he is, and and I think you know when they went to he he. I think people tend to forget that he actually led the Rams to a Super Bowl yeah, right. some years back, and we just kind of washed that away like it didn't matter or it didn't happen. He was a he was a good quarterback then. I think he's playing so much better now, and he's in an offense that has more more weapons than than he's probably accustomed to. Guys are making plays. Amon Ross St. Brown is a stud at receiver. Mm-hmm. He's got two guys in the backfield and Swift and Williams that you know they they are they are kind of thunder and lightning type of type of tag team combo. And then you add Jamison Williams to the fold and, and Penae Sewell to the fold. And, too, obviously, too, he's too. a big man got to catch balls, and, and when you get a big man that can catch footballs, <laughs> get out of the way. <laughs> so this team and Jared Goff, you know, I was of the mindset that they they may be looking for a quarterback in the draft, and and maybe they will, but it does not have to be a first round draft pick. It can be later in the draft, and you got two first round picks. You can use that on whatever else mm-hmm. they think they may need because they are they're going to be a really good team. Confirm, Sean McVay, not a genius. He just had a really solid quarterback. Yeah, yeah. see, he, he gets another solid quarterback, and yeah. look what happens. He got Baker now. driving. There you go, a win. Number one. All right, I was only half joking last week, Kerry, when I talked about the likable, handsome number 10 that gets injured with a lower body injury and is out for the season, (laughs) replaced by a number 13 out of Iowa. We all know the story. Yes, it's Brock Purdy of the San Francisco 49ers who's loaded with talent around him, even though Debo Samuel looks to be hurt. But yesterday, Purdy... 16 of 21, 185 yards, a couple of touchdowns, and the not. And by the way, the 49ers did did uh, dial it back in the second half when they got up 35 to nothing against Tampa, and they win by a score of 35 to seven. And Brock Purdy looked like an NFL quarterback, and he looked like a guy exceptionally well coached just to get the ball into the hands of his playmakers until the end of the first half when they have the ball. The 49ers have the ball uh, into. Tampa Bay territory. They get a penalty to give him a break, and he hit Brandon Ayuk with a dime for a 32-yard touchdown, and San Francisco rolled. Brock Purdy looks to me like a guy against a pretty good defense, by the way, that can handle this load. He does not look like he's afraid of the moment. He does not look like he does not look like a rookie quarterback. That is, mm-hmm. he, he he's started his first game, Randy. Against, I don't know, I don't know how old Brock Purdy was, but I am almost certain that he was maybe not even born when Tom Brady started his first game. Right, so, right. you know, you're you're looking at a kid that is is not afraid of the moment, not afraid of the person across the uh, on the other side of the field, and as you said, he's a guy that comes in Mr. Irrelevant in the draft and and has an opportunity because of injuries. He's their third string quarterback and they they are the best team in the NFC West right now and mm-hmm. make and going to make a run if they as long as Debo gets back healthy for the playoffs, the way that they run the ball, they got a lot of weapons to get the ball to. You know, I I, I am excited about this San Francisco team and we did not find out Randy, if he actually worked at a high V in Iowa, we, we still have to do some more research into figuring that out because that will solidify your your story. And oh, by the way, <laughs> the other number thirteen made his first start against the legendary Ravens defense and mm-hmm. Ray Lewis. Uh, yeah, and, and by the way, also Nick Wagner's doing a story on this for ESPN.com. Yeah, there we go. 
We get some information. Yeah. He, oh, he, he is doing he is, it. Yeah, he talked to Kurt on yeah, Saturday. Yeah. Good job, yeah. Nick. We got to give you some credit for that. You, you, you helped that you makes push me that so, idea. That makes me so insanely happy. Oh. God, I like when things work out. My number one was uh, the Pujols Family Foundation and the O Night Divine uh, Saturday night. Albert Pujols has, has been doing this for 18 years, um, giving back to families of, of, of children with Down syndrome and, and to the community in, in the Dominican Republic. It was an amazing event, Randy. It was probably, there were tears, there were laughs. Um, there were just so many stories and so many things uh, just to, to share with, with everyone that was there. And, and it was it was an awesome time to just hear some of the stories of, of some of the people that the Pujols Family Foundation has impacted throughout his entire career. We think of Albert as, as solely a baseball player, but I, I would venture to say that he has done more off of the field than he's done on the field. And that to be able to say that is absolutely crazy because he's done so much on the field but the 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 number of families that he's helped his foundation has helped the number of people that he his foundation has impacted is just he is a true blessing to not only the city of st louis but really the the the, the world because Mm -hmm. he's helped so many people around the world and i i was blessed and fortunate to be in that room uh and, and be a part of that and just thankful for that it was an awesome event isn't that amazing because you have to work really hard to be as great as he was at baseball. To think of everything that he accomplished in addition to working hard to be great at baseball, that's really efficient use of your time. It is. There yeah. was a, a it was, I forget what it was. It was like he hadn't had an off day in, I don't know, three weeks, maybe three months. And he took his off day and went to DR to, to help and, and mm-hmm. continue to build things. And so, you know, to have that much uh to be that humble and that willing to help others that in need, I think is just absolutely amazing. And, you know, we're going to lose him as a, as a baseball player, obviously the baseball side of it, but he's still going to do amazing things to impact this city and, and different countries and different people around the world. And by the way, the Pujols Family Foundation does amazing work. He's got a great staff over at Westport. And if you want to get involved, it's easy. Just go to PujolsFamilyFoundation.org because you'll be able to see there at their website some of the amazing things that they do with uh, the money that uh, they raise in an event like Saturday night. That's three things we loved about the weekend here on 101 ESPN. One of the things we didn't love was the Blues loss yesterday. So, how do the Blues fix it? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're not talking about your typical year where you got one or two guys on an island and just aren't playing uh, to the team. You know, Craig Bruby himself said uh, we've got a lot more guys than that. So, you know, at some point, and I know Doug Armstrong has already stepped in and said what he needed to say a while back, but at some point, to me, there's got to be some sort of change to expect anything to be different because with this group, it just doesn't seem like they're catching on to, to this. That's Jeremy Rutherford with us Friday here on the opening drive. JR, our Blues insider from The Athletic. And JR tweeted, if I could pick just one on-ice detail of the Blues game that's killing them, it's the passes. Nothing on the tape, nothing in stride, nothing that allows them to advance the puck. So many of their issues are the result of not being able to pass the puck to each other. And that's getting the puck out of your zone, getting it through to the neutral zone in a hurry, and getting it into the offensive zone. And it is troubling to see... NHL players, NHL hockey players that can't make even the short 
tape-to-tape pass. Darren Pang has a great philosophy. He said, for a really good team, you should be able to see all five of your skaters in the screen at once. Mm. That means that every pass that they make should be a good, short, crisp pass. And the Blues do two things. Number one, they try to make the home run pass a lot, and they can't do that. But even when they're skating up ice and they do have three guys in the photo, the, the short passes aren't very crisp either. That's a great point by JR. That That is a, a great um, understanding of the game. I, I've never seen – I don't know that I can remember the last time I've seen five blues as they're going up ice in the in the – <laughs> on the screen at one time. That's and a so good team game, a, right? That, that is a team that is working together, and they're all working in, in unison. And so, for me, if you – the one thing that I – and the passing is definitely an issue, and, and it's an issue on the other end because what the Blues aren't doing, other teams are doing to them. They get a lot of pucks tipped when they're trying to pass. They're trying to pass it across. Other teams are getting sticks on the ball on, – on the ball, on the puck. Mm-hmm. And – it's frustrating because you know that they that these are the things that they work on, but it for some reason is not coming to to fruition when they get out there on the ice, and it's causing them to not win games. And there was a, a moment I forget who they who they were playing, um, Baruby. It seemed like he was he was it might have been against the Jets. Baruby was yelling at Tyler Pitlick, I believe, on the bench, and it was one of those moments that he was he was yelling at Tyler Pitlick. But here's the thing: I told you all. Bruce Arians used to do this to, to to my guy Nate Washington. He would yell at Nate because he couldn't yell at at Santonio Holmes mm-hmm. or he couldn't mm-hmm. yell at, at Heinz Ward. That to me was a moment where he's getting on Pitlick and Pitlick understands, yeah, this is for me, but it ain't really for me. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yep. This ain't for me. This is for y'all, but I'm yep. the yeah, I, I gotta take this for you all. And so the other guys are receiving that message. They understand it. Everyone understands who that's for. But sometimes as a coach, you have to make an, make an example out of guys. And, and Randy, I was going to ask you this. Callie Rosen didn't play I last know. night. He's leading the team in, in plus minus. There's going to come a point where you have to play him. I don't care what where he's come from, what his story is. He's been one of your better defensemen. And the fact that he didn't even get on the ice, didn't play yesterday, is is – it's a little it's a little bit frustrating for me because he's been one of the best guys for them. I get that uh the the Blues gave Tory Krug a ton of money yeah. and he was coming off the injury. But Krug is minus twenty three. He's one of the worst in the league in plus minus, and Callie Rosen, as you mentioned, is a plus nine. I don't see how your team is better. All due respect to Tory Krug. I don't see how your team is better with him on the ice rather than Callie Rosen. And by the way, left, right, whatever, playing the contract. I don't see right now the way that 55 is going, how your team is better with Pareko on the ice than Callie Rosen. You have to make a decision. And this is this is when people talk about sports and and this is the, the side of it that they don't get into all the time. There are times in every single sport where a guy is much better than the guy in front of him, but the guy in front of him gets more money. And it is hard for an ownership, for a coach, for 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 people in the front office to sit someone that is making, let's say, ten million dollars a year versus mm-hmm. someone who's making five hundred thousand dollars a year. It's numbers. It doesn't. It it, it gets to a point where I, I don't I don't want to have to eat that money sitting on the bench and watching that person not play when. Even though he may not be playing as well as the other person, he's making more money. So I'm going to allow him to get more opportunities. It's no different than than Baker Mayfield being a first round draft pick. Mm-hmm. If Baker was drafted in the fifth round, if Break- Baker was drafted in the seventh round and he was Mister Irrelevant, Baker would have been out of the out of the league four years ago, three years ago. Yep. It, it's just you get more opportunities based on where you're drafted and based on how much money you're making. And so 
the the Blues have to make a decision. Do we want to win or do we want guys out here that are making big contracts and they have to play for that reason? And by the way, Callie Rosen's one of those guys where when you look for five guys in the photo, he's, he's going to be there. there. He's just playing a really good, solid, fundamental game. He's he's not a star, but he's the sort of guy that you need to win hockey games. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. We've got Take It or Leave It for you here on 101 ESPN. Back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text into 65780 and give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. With Kerry Davis and Matthew Rocchio, I'm Randy Carricker. Time for Teoli on 101 ESPN. And Kerry, yesterday at about 10 a.m., John Heyman of the New York Post and other outlets tweeted, there's a mystery team in on Rodon, Carlos Rodon, and it's believed to be the Cardinals, in parentheses. So maybe it's not such a great mystery after all. Hashtag mystery team. Take it or leave it. There's no way in hell the Cardinals are in on Carlos Rodon. <laughs> how much How much are we talking per We're year? We're talking 30 million a year. They they said they were looking for a starter. Yeah, uh huh. So is that not a, a 30, 60, 90, 120, five years and one fifty for a pitcher? Not happening. Not happening. Uh, I'll leave it. Okay, because I mentioned Chris Bassett the other day. He's going to get less than that. Would mm-hmm. he be more? What is he? Twenty seventeen to twenty a year somewhere yeah, in, the, Cardinals in that range. Going there. Neither way. No. So there's not a pitcher that they are going to. They can't. So here's my thing, Randy. Sean talk- just got 25 over two from the Giants, by the way. Well, we talked about this offseason being a, a splash offseason. So you can't go get a pitcher that they that people don't know just yes. based off of analytics and numbers. Oh, he's a great pitcher. He eats up innings. Who the hell is he? What has he done? What has he won? You 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 want a name. You got to go get names. And so if, if, if Carlos Rodon is the the name... I'm all for it, Randy. Sign oh, me I am up. too, but, but they aren't going to do it. So they're, they're, they made their splash this offseason. Okay. The, Car- the Cardinals just set their franchise record for the biggest contract they've ever given to a player who didn't previously play for them mm-hmm. with $82 million. You think they're going to turn around and double that up a week yeah. later on a pitcher? Brock, it ain't our money. <laughs> you can do, I'm listen, aware of that. we live in a I world where we can money. spend other people's monies as, as freely yes, as we want. we do. It's not a problem. It's not ours. So yeah, I'll, I'll take it. They're going to get them. Yes, Carrie. <laughs> yes, Carrie. Uh, but we're not supposed to. We, we shouldn't get our listeners' hopes up for something ridiculous. Uh, listen, they, they're grown people. They'll they'll figure it out. Life is <laughs> life is full of ups and downs. <laughs> they're not signing a free agent to a $150 million contract like that. Oh, Randy. Woo-hoo. I talked about the uh, Detroit Lions earlier. Mm-hmm. And they are... Six and seven, one game back of the sixth and seventh place uh, for for the for the playoffs. Washington Commanders are in front of them. New York Giants and the Seattle Seahawks. Take it or leave it. The Detroit Lions actually make the playoffs. Now, do you need? I will give you the yes, the Giants are seventh right now, so they're 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 the last team in. They still have to play the Commanders next week, mm-hmm. which is the sixth team. They have to play. They have to play at the Commanders, at the Vikings, versus the Colts, and at the Eagles to finish out the season. Okay, tough. There's a chance yeah. that they go th- uh, one and one and yep. three in those last four games. 
the um, the Washington Commanders have to play, obviously, the Giants. They play the 49ers at 49ers. They play the, the Browns and then the Cowboys. Okay, that's three losses there. There's three losses. So those are the six and seven teams. Mm-hmm. And now the Seahawks, they still have to go to the 49ers. They play the uh, Chiefs. They play the 49ers next week. They go to the Chiefs. They play the Jets, and then they play the Rams. So there is a ri- and and so and what the Lions have the Lions have obviously the commander, not the Commanders. They have the uh, let me pull it up. I, again. Thought, I think they might win out. They they have an opportunity to win out. They have the Panthers. Win the they have the Jets. Excuse me. They have the Pan- the Jets. The Jets Panthers. At home? Jets at at Jets. Okay. At Panthers. Versus the, the the Chicago Bears and then at Green Bay. So you win your last two. They very easily could go three and one to make the playoffs, yeah. There is a real chance that this team makes the playoffs, and that's, that is that's amazing. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I, I'm all for it. Sign me up. I, I, I am, I'm telling you, Dan Campbell, when he came in, no one, they thought he was crazy. Mm-hmm. People thought he was nuts. He's going to bite kneecaps. What the hell does that mean? And they are—they play like a team, like their head coach. And it, when you give me that schedule, and I think about the way I watch them play, they're built to play in cold weather. Yeah, even though they're an, an indoor team. team. Yeah, yeah. They got a good—they they got a good chance. It'd be fun. Yep. It'd be good for America. All right, Matthew, what do you got for us? Take it or leave it. You trade O'Neill. Walker starts in left field, and you let Gorman get a legitimate chance at everyday DH time. I'm going to leave that, and and here's why. I was, as I said, I was at the mm-hmm. O-Night Divine, and mm-hmm. there's a young man named Juan Yepes that they are mm-hmm. really high on, and mm-hmm. I think he he's not an outfielder, not an everyday outfielder, but he is probably potentially going to be an outstanding DH, and so you would have to put yeah. Gorman somewhere else. Well, Gorman, I, I think those two can effectively split DH. DH? Yeah. Now, there is an old adage in the stock market Buy low, sell high. Mm-hmm. If I'm the Cardinals, I don't really want to trade Tyler O'Neill right now. His his value is at a low. Yeah. You wait till he gets off to a good start and shows what he did in 2021 when he hit the 34 home right. runs and had a 912 OPS. You're not going to get an awful lot for Tyler O'Neill right now. I, I would kind of wait that one out. Well, if he's if he's on that pace, do you even get rid of him no, at the end? No, you don't. <laughs> you keep him around. Yep. Yeah, you don't let him go but anywhere. Then if Walker's tearing things up and he's on that pace and you can trade him to the American League and get a pitcher, yeah, you do it. Hmm. It's all about timing. It's all about timing. Mm-hmm. Everyone has gone out of their way to defend Benner all year, hoping he would return to his former form, but he just has not. He's given up one or two softies a game all year. Numbers don't lie. Take it or leave it. You're losing faith in Jordan Biddington. I'll take that. Also, uh, leave it. Um, numbers absolutely do lie. Yeah, That's literally I, the entire point of the first two weeks of the blue season was that anyone who was watching you—I mean, you can go back and turn on Valley Sports Midwest and watch Jenny Rivers break down how there weren't th- all those softies in the first two weeks of the season were not expressly Jordan Binnington's fault when there's guys sitting on the back end waiting for tap-ins. But if you look at they big look picture, soft. big picture, okay, 2019 to 2023. That's his fair. goals against has gone up yes. every year, and 2019 to 2023, his save percentage has gone down every year. I'm looking at a pretty significant significant sample size. Is here. that a, is that a product of the people in front of him? Because when we, I mean, the guys in front of him, we talked about it. If you got guys camping out in front of the net and and you don't have people moving, those, those pucks that are rebounds are, are getting tipped in. I can't blame all of those you know, on Benny. There, there are times, but last year he admitted he was bad. Yeah. 
So when you look at the big picture, at some point, like Craig Bruby said last week after the Pittsburgh game, stop the puck. I, I'll take it that they all need to play better. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone on the ice. Yeah. Take it or leave it. The NFL is looking rigged when they had the Lions over the Vikings in Vegas and the guess who won. Uh, leave it's, it. Hmm, it's almost like the Vikings might not be as good as their record and, it, the, and, the, and the Lions might be better than theirs. Potentially. Hmm. 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 Also, possible. the thing you got to realize about Vegas is Vegas doesn't respond with huge shifts. And so they didn't respond to the Viking. People, we got text a bunch of texts about how the Vikings weren't getting, you know, enough credit from Vegas when they were like seven and two. It's like, well, because Vegas was still grading those games as they thought about the Vikings before the season, which was not a seven and two team. On the other side, the Lions looked a lot more like we thought they were going to be at the beginning of the year, which was an explosive offense. So. Vegas doesn't make monumental shifts. These teams are kind of back to where they were at the beginning of the year. It's not that surprising of a line. So what do you think the difference is between these two teams? I mean, the Vikings have Jefferson and Thielen, right? And mm-hmm. now they've got the old Lions tight end, yep. Hawkinson. Yep. The uh, the Lions have Amon Ross St. Brown. They've got Raymond. They've got uh, Jamison Williams now. Mm-hmm. Goff and, and, uh, and Kirk, Kirk Cousins. Cousins. The offensive lines are both... Good, not great. So, what's the difference in these two offenses? That is a very good question. I, I <laughs> maybe I, I'm looking at the numbers. Kirk Cousins threw for 425 yards and two touchdowns. Justin Jefferson had 11 catches for 223 yards. Mm-hmm. The Vikings are, I mean, the Vikings are going to put up numbers offensively. Um, they just didn't score enough touchdowns to win that game, and I think that's really what the, the the issue was for them yesterday. They didn't score the touchdowns. They offensively they have more than enough. Uh, as far as numbers go, to mm-hmm. win that game, they just didn't seal the deal with touchdowns. If you get field goals instead of touchdowns, you you tend to lose those games. And the um, the the Lions, who have not played well defensively mm-hmm. all year, they were at one point the one of the best offenses as far as numbers go, and one of the worst defenses. Yeah. And they've kind of started to balance that out a little bit. Um, but it just boils down to scoring touchdowns. The 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 Vikings didn't score enough touchdowns yesterday. Yep, and the Vikings, by the way, ten and three. So they are. It's not a complete disaster. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd calm down a little bit on the NFL rigging, I, <laughs> rigging the the bets against. I, w- I will say this too: if you only run the ball seventeen times, which the Vikings did, eh, that's been my thing with them all year: yeah. is that they, their inability to consistently utilize Dalvin it's, Cook it's is, a is, philosophy. Baff- is, is baffling to me. Yep. It's a philosophy by some of these coaches, these offensive gurus that I'm going to throw the ball forty five times a game and not hand the ball off to Dalvin Cook or Nick Chubb. Yeah. <laughs> Watch me. Right. <laughs> I'm amazing. And you can do that uh, when you have Patrick Mahomes. You're an idiot. <laughs> That's what yeah. you are. Right, Carrie, this is this is from the texter. This is not me. All right. All right. Take it or leave it. Mike Tomlin as a head coach is getting stale. Highest paid defense in the league and we suck. I'm gonna leave that. Um the quarterback situation is still being is, is as Stephen A says, it's fluid. They still got some things to figure out. Kenny Pickett uh, went down with a concussion yesterday. Mitchell Trubisky is not the answer, and I don't think ever will be the answer for anyone's offense, um, unless you're Matt Nagy, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but for the for the Steelers, they're going to have to figure some things out offensively. They have to figure out a way to get the run game going on a more consistent basis, and you got to let that rookie quarterback grow and figure out how to play this game uh, and keep him upright, keep him safe. So defensively, I love what they're they're doing on the defensive side. Um, it's going to be frustrating because next year they'll obviously be a year older, 
But I think Kenny Pickett with another year under his belt, maybe a new offensive coordinator, which I'm I'm pretty sure that that's the direction that they're going to go in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll, you'll have a better offense and, and hopefully – couple of draft picks and get get more of that offensive line solidified and and get Najee Harris running downhill I hate that he's in shotgun and runs laterally get him under center the quarterback and let him run downhill and see what you what he's able to do so you want a new offensive coordinator yeah, you're yes me. no question yeah all right let's start there let's get one more do you want a new quarterback? Or? No, they got no. a new quarterback. They quarterback. Right. took one in the first round. Yeah, and that him. defense, by the way, it's it's not terrible. It's They're averaging 22.5 points a game allowed. And there's, the offense is probably yeah. averaging around 17. Yeah. I, I would <laughs> I would, I would venture to say that might be high. I'd be about 15.6. I'll give you that uh, that number here in just one moment. Let me get to the, to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I have to scroll down a ways, and they're averaging seventeen point five. <laughs> oh, I was right the first time. Seventeen. One, two, three, four, five teams averaging God, less points is... a game than the Steelers. Are uh, you know who's the behind league. them? I'm sure the Broncos. Seventeen is that magic number of just Broncos. Got to be thirty-one. Broncos or 32. are less. <laughs> I knew it. Colts are thirty-first. <sighs> Texans are thirtieth. Rams are 29th. Ooh. Bucks are 28th, mm. and then the Steelers are 27th. For a little perspective, rem- remember the years when it was just like, you know what, if the Rams can just get like 17 points per game this year, they might be able to win like six, seven games. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yep. the, yeah. the bar we, we, we moved just trying to find something to be happy about. Take it or leave it. The Blues will continue their losing streak this week. I'll leave it. They're going to beat the Predators tonight. Whoa. And the hey, same predators. The, what did they? What didn't the predators beat them? Beat them? What was the score earlier this season? Yeah, they killed them. Seven to two. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. But that was in six to two. My yeah. apologies. Okay. Yeah, so that's going to happen now. Then they shut down the Oilers last time they played them. Also, the there you go. And also, yep. I th- I think at this point, I think that might still be the only full. 60-minute game the Blues have played the entire season. One one there in Edmonton, one here. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. They were both good 60-minute games. Sorry. Something about playing those Oilers, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, just you know, 80 games against Connor McDavid. Why not? There you go. That'd go well. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up next on 101 ESPN at The Athletic, Jim Bowden gives the Cardinals a B-plus for their offseason at the midterm. What do you give the Cardinals? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnooks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnooks. Download the Schnooks Rewards app today. It is 8.06 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. The Cardinals have made one big splash in free agency so far with the signing of Wilson Contreras last week, official now. And Jim Bowden over at The Athletic, Kerry, has the Cardinals with a B-plus for their offseason because they were able to effectively replace Yadier Molina behind the plate, although they, to me, haven't really effectively replaced now, they kind of replaced Albert's production, but it seems like they could use a little bit more. It Now, this is just midterms, mm-hmm. but it just seems to me like there could be a little bit more that the Cardinals could have done or during the winter meetings, and maybe they'll accomplish something before we get to Christmas or something like that. But I'm just not, uh, I, I'm not totally enamored of the what I perceive the one move that they've made. 
Well, I'm, I'm not too uh, upset about it. I, I think they got the guy that they wanted most. Uh, the position of most importance to them in catcher, make sure you solidify uh, Yachty's backup. And, and getting a guy in here that is as, as good of a hitter as he is, a, a three-time All-Star, a guy that you know uh, is going to come up in, in big moments and, and a world champion, has been through those things and understands how to play the game the right way and at a high level. And, and from all accounts, a, a very fiery person. And Randy, mm-hmm. you know me. You, you've you learned a thing or two <laughs> about me. I enjoy the, the personalities that are a bit fiery, a little bit on edge, because mm-hmm. I think you need you need a couple of guys on your team that you don't know which way they're going to go. If They're, they're going to do the right uh-huh. things, but you are not always certain if they're going to do the right thing. You need a few of those guys on your roster. Uh, the Cardinals have two in, in Wilson Contreras and Nolan Arenado, uh, two guys that got a little little fire in little them. Sandpaper. And, yeah, yeah, a little grit to them. Um, so I, I am excited about the the um, signing of him. And you know, we talked about it all all so far this offseason. What else do they need? You think it's a starting pitcher? Yes. Some people believe it's another a left-handed bat. Um, there's still some opportunities out there. And you said Carlos Rodon is is possibly on the radar for the Cardinals, which would be a huge signing, um, but. We don't know if that's something that the Cardinals would want to spend money on. That's how, to me, sounds like an agent trying to get the Cardinals out there as a possibility to up the ante for other for franchises. For some other franchise. Okay, yeah. I, I can see that happening. Um, but like I said, I, I think the signing of Wilson was uh, was the best signing that they could do. Uh, the one thing, you know, going after Sean Murphy would have been losing prospects, losing mm-hmm. players that you really think can help this team next season. So. You go after a guy that is a free agent, you sign him to a contract, and um, you know he's going to do well here in, in, in Cardinal Red. Here's what Bowden wrote. He said, The Cardinals' main focus of this offseason was to find a replacement for the retired Yadier Molina, and they managed to get the top free agent catcher on the market. Wilson Contreras signing him away from the rival Cubs. St. Louis is not expected to make any more significant moves this offseason, but will look to fine-tune its roster, and I would think that Fine-tuning the roster will include adding a bullpen arm or two. <laughs> Which is a fine-tune. Yes, yeah. I just want—I just want to know exactly what that means. Yeah, you, basically, you, you flesh out the bottom part of your roster, but your your bench. Try to add a little bit of depth. Is fine-tuning a roster doing getting a guy who will either, let's say, start twenty games or get you more than three hundred plate appearances? Do I, does fine-tuning your roster get you either one of those? I, do, I don't like that? think that uh, they'll be in the market for a bat. I think their offense is set. And and I think that because we've heard nothing but positive feedback about Jordan Walker. I think the bat is coming from from right. uh, the well, minors. And, Kerry, I'm, I'm telling you, Nolan Gorman was the number 36 prospect last year. Mm-hmm. And people, for the first half of the season— Every single day, all the texts were, bring up Nolan Gorman, yeah. bring up Nolan Gorman, bring up Nolan Gorman, because he was tearing up AAA. Now people hate him because he, he's not an all-star in his first half season yeah. in the majors. Nolan Gorman's going to be a damn good hitter. And I, I don't think people have... Uh, we, I get that we live in a microwave society. Yes, no, Nolan Gorman's going to be a good player, but he's not there yet. But... Yeah, he's going to strike out a lot, but he's going to hit a lot of home runs. He's going to be a fine left-handed hitter. The people wanted to bring up Alec Burleson. They did at the end of last year. Was mm-hmm. Alec Burleson uh, the 2017 version of Cody Bellinger? No, he wasn't. But he's a guy that had a good AAA season that uh, a lot of people, apparently the A's, were interested in Alec Burleson if they were going to trade for Sean Murphy. Sometimes you've got to let a guy improve. Sometimes 
a player isn't what he's going to be right. in his first year. Yeah, and, and you look at what Nolan Gorman did, you know, in 280 plate appearances, he had 14 home runs. Right. So you figure if you double that, you probably get 28 yeah. home runs, 30 home run type of guy, uh, which would be awesome for this offense and, and a bat that you definitely would be happy to have. Yeah, you can't – people aren't always going to be pleased with, with what's going on, but – if you're a young guy and just coming up and just really getting your feet wet uh, in the in the major leagues, it's gonna take some time to to learn all the nuances of of what you need to expect mm-hmm. and, and what you have to deal with day to day. And 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 Randy, it's not just so. This is the thing that's that's amazing to me. It's not just what pitchers are going to do to you. It's what time do I need to leave to get to the ballpark? Or what time, what's too late to, to what do I need to, to do to make sure that my family, my family's coming in town. I got to make sure. There are so many things when you are a young player, you're still trying to sort all of those things out. So it's no different from, from anyone starting a new job. You don't know all of the things you know three or two or three years into that job. So, you know, give them some time, give the young guys a little bit of time and he'll, he'll get right and he'll get going. Bowden gives the Phillies an A-plus for their signing of Trey Turner, the uh, signing of Taiwan Walker to a four-year $72 million deal, and the signing of lefty reliever Matt Strom. He gives the Nationals a C for picking up Jimer Candelario, Trevor Williams, and Stone Garrett. In the Central, he gives the Cubs a B-plus because uh, they acquired Miles Mastrobuini from the Rays and signed Cody Bellinger and Jamison Tyone. I think they did a good job. I, I would say that they're, they actually did better than the Cardinals. Uh, the Reds get a C. Uh, they signed Luke Mail to a one-year deal as a free agent. The Brewers get a C. They added Blake Perkins and then traded Wonger uh, for Jesse Winker and Abraham Toro. Uh, and then Bowden gives the Pirates a B also for getting G-Man Choi from the Rays and also Dari Moreta from the Reds for Kevin Newman. Plus, they signed Carlos Santana to a one-year deal. Uh, Yarlan Garcia. Hmm? Oh, oh no, this is a different one. Not the one that not plays the guitar. The guitar. So, oh. This is the, the one that plays the best. He's amazing. Yeah, multitasker. He does. He, does, he plays the guitar right, and, yeah. and is a right. Whoa. Exactly. That's absolutely yeah. awesome. And then uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the pirates also signed Vince Velasquez, and so the pirates get a B, and uh, not not an awful lot of A's handed out by Jim Bowden. He gave the Padres an A-minus for their signings of Bogarts and Robert Suarez. And uh, then you look around, uh, the, obviously, you're going to give uh, the the Yankees their yeah. A for keeping Aaron Judge around. That was their big deal. And then uh, for the Mets, he gave the Braves, by the way, only a C. He gives, gives the Mets an A also. So there you have uh, Jim Bowden with the B-plus for the Cardinals. Coming up, going to talk some blues hockey with Chris Kerber, the Voice of the Blues, here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Curbside. He shoots, they score! With the Voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber. They score! Bring out the Zamboni! Refreshed by Randall's, St. Louis's number one liquor store. Visit shoprandalls.com. Davis, Randy Carricker, the opening drive, 101 ESPN. Blues hockey tonight against Nashville, 6 o'clock pregame, 7 o'clock faceoff. And the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, joins us as he does every Monday morning here on 101 ESPN. Curbs, good morning. How you doing? Randy, I'm doing awesome. How are you today? Everything's good. How's that Christmas shopping going? 
Uh, I, I, you know what? I don't have a complete answer for that. I'll have to text my wife and ask her. <laughs> there you go. Good for you. Yeah, you're, you're kind of busy at this time of year. Okay, so. Uh, no, wait, 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 hang on. I don't like. I don't want that to come across the wrong way to the wrong people, but. <laughs> We've got this great routine where, like, I've got certain things I've got to take care of. She does her sort. But she does, honestly, She she's amazing. She does the most of it. And every now and then I have to say, hey, what did we get this kid today? <laughs> it's, it's a team effort. It's a, good, it's a good routine we have. Exactly. No team doubt. Effort. All right. So, Curbs, you're driving home last night from Enterprise Center. How'd you feel? Were, were you happy with yesterday or were you upset with yesterday? Uh, you know what? Probably uh, somewhere in the middle, I would think. First off, I, I didn't actually drive home. I went over to the uh, to the lights at the brewery. We had a fire pit and stuff, so that, that was a Beautiful. cool experience. That people haven't done that. Yeah, that was that was fantastic. But uh, uh, yeah, you know what? It's interesting, Randy. I think I think there are some fans based on my Twitter feed that uh, that are upset that I'm not ripping every single person, every single shift, every single game, and. You know, questioning, you know, what part of the country their grandmas came from and things like that. <laughs> so, um, you know, and, and those are just a lunatic fringe. You can't you can't really do anything about those. Those people will never be happy. There, There is a process here. And, and I think we've seen uh, for whatever reason. And, yes, you're wondering, how does it take 27 games? I don't know. Uh, but but this team just hasn't clicked. But I, I saw three lines yesterday. And that that really played that north south style of winning kind of hockey, and it felt like the kind of game, and looked like it was going to be that you had to play to win a two one game. And you know, uh, to me, that's 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 progress. It, you know what? And we, and we talk about this all the time. There's that like Ken Hitchcock would, would say this. I've heard Quenville say it. I've heard, I've heard all the, the really great coaches say this. You're in a slump before you get out of it. Your game has to turn. It doesn't turn on a dime. But you're probably going to lose a game that you felt you should have won. And really, for one of the first times, that game yesterday felt like that one to me. So that's a uh, – so kind of in the middle, you are you see some positives, but you're still frustrated because in the end it's a loss. Hey, Curves, they are 2-7-1 and one in their last 10 games, and in those 10 games they've given up 49 goals. What needs to change to prevent 4.9 goals per game? Uh, COVID, maybe a <laughs> couple canceled games. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so, well, okay. <laughs> Go the Nashville Predators route, have a water main break. You know, <laughs> You know, I think it was what Crash Davis said. You know, I think it's time for a rain delay, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> a rain out. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, well, exactly what we saw yesterday, Kerry, actually, to be, you know, non, non-sarcastic with you. I think, like, every time that puck hit Josh Lebo's stick or Ryan O'Reilly's stick, it just got put down into the corner. And you know what? The vast majority of the times it got in and they dug it out and they got possession of it. Uh, same thing with, with the Barbashev line and stuff like that. And then we started to see the Thomas Kairou Tarasenko line do it after Barubi went over and kind of huddled with those three on the bench after a shift where, you know, three straight touches went right back to the other team and they were chasing it. And then the next few shifts, you know, that, that line did the same thing. And they got in and, and they got on the hunt and they took it away. I thought Vladimir Tarasenko had a really strong game from beginning to end, by the way, uh, in, in that game. So uh, to me, it's more of just what we saw yesterday. And if they get it in their mindset, if they get it in their mindset that they're not 
this high-flying, high-scoring team. You're not the Hoare Harlem Globetrotters against the Washington Generals, right? Uh, they can play this style of hockey, and I think that's the style of hockey that they're going to have to play to be successful, to be honest with you right now. They're just they're not as deep as they were last year. The puck isn't going in like it did last year. Um, I, I think they're getting better goaltending on a whole than they did last year. So I, I think there are some things that are definitely worth positive vibes. But I, I think it, it just comes down to playing like you did yesterday much more consistently. Hey, hey Curbs, the, the, giving up that goal with seven seconds left in the third period and then going into overtime and, and losing that quickly, do you feel like there was a little carryover from that, from that goal in the third period into overtime? Uh, maybe a little bit. Look, unfortunately, I think yeah, they, we, you know, Colton Pareko lost two battles right at the front of the net along with Nico Mikola, and that's, that, that was the challenge there. Uh, it, was, it was JT Comfer that got in behind him where the puck went off a of Comfer, and then it was Rantanen that just that wanted that puck more than Nico Mikola did, uh, you know, on the on on the game tying goal. And that 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 guys is the unfortunate bounces that are going against the Blues that will turn when you continue to play the game better, like they did for most of the game. The the overtime one, unfortunately, kind of a very similar thing, you know, where it was Rantanen on the other side of, of Pareko, and you know those. Those are the battles that the Blues are going to have to strengthen up, win, and get a little nastier in front of their net, in my opinion. So uh, the overtime goal, yeah, maybe a little bit, but uh, probably part of the same symptom that's been plaguing this team uh, a good amount this year. Curbs, if you know, could you relay to us the thought process behind sitting Callie Rosen in yesterday's game? Yeah, you know, that's a... uh, well, Craig Berube didn't want to go with seven defensemen the last couple of games. I, I think he's really got to get his lines defined, his roles defined, and I think that's that's one of the challenges that he's working on to make sure that this team turns the corner. Um, I, it was it, it's an interesting question, and you know what? And, and if I get a chance to, to talk with Chief today, uh, Randy, I'll ask him that because I was somewhat wondering the same thing. Callie Rosen's play has been so good, but. The size of Mikola, um, the penalty killing of Robert Bortuzzo is one of, to me, the, the biggest issues there. Mikola and Bortuzzo are important shot blockers uh, on that penalty kill, and we saw that last night. And, and to me, I've got to think that really helping the penalty kill more so than anything was the reason for that. I think Callie Rosen's had a very strong, very, very solid season, probably deserves to be in there, but... I think the, the the size of the sticks and the shot blocking ability for the penalty kill, as they finally had a couple of days to really practice it, and then we saw a very successful penalty kill yesterday. I think that has to be part of the reason. Hey, uh, Kerber, you talked about Vladimir Tarasenko and, and his play yesterday. That goal that he scored was a goal scorer's goal. Is 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 that a goal that he can get him uh, really going in the right direction and continue to go in the right well, direction? Yeah, like a lot of goal scorers, carry they can be kind of streaky. And Vladimir Tarasenko can now look. He's got very solid point totals. But to me, his play in, in, in that game, and frankly, and I'll go back to the third period of the Florida game, it's not so much about the game-tying goal he had in both of those two games. It's about the style of play he brought for the entire game. Mm-hmm. He was engaged. He threw some checks in the early going. He was hard on the puck. There was one play on the near side boards in the offensive zone. you know, And, and when, he's, when he's just not quite as engaged, uh, JT Comfer picks that puck off the stick and pushes it away. Vladimir Tarasenko wasn't going to be denied on that one. I mean, he, he was he was a beast on that puck. It was fantastic. 
And that's the style of play that they need from him. And if the puck's not going in, yeah, I know his goal scorers do. They get frustrated, but they've got to keep their game going. And, and look, and, and I think that's where maybe some frustration comes in because that if you get that kind of game from Vladimir Tarasenko, eight out of ten games or, or almost every single night, you've got that engaging player, and then those goals are going to find him. It, I mean, it was just a, it was a beautiful goal, like an absolute goal scorer's goal. And, and very few can actually put the puck in like he just did on that one. I mean, it was spectacular and shows how special a little player he is. They need the all-around play top to bottom. Now, the challenge on that line, guys, is this. Like, the last few games prior to the last one, Robert Thomas was fighting the puck. He looked pretty solid last, last night, yesterday afternoon. But then Jordan Cairo was fighting it three times on the power play. Every time and Jordan Kyrie touched the puck, he'd go to dump it in and hit a guy's stick. They cleared like three clears out. And and I frankly think with the way those other lines are playing right now, until you get Alexei Toropchenko back up, and I think he's got one or two more days left in his uh, rehab or his conditioning assignment, you know, you're 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 talking about a scenario where, you know, I think you just keep that line together and say, figure it out, guys, and start playing the way the rest of the team is playing. But there's still too much risk and, and just not enough will. And, and when they did dump the puck in and then go get it, I know it's not a desired style of play for guys who really like that puck control, but it is a worthwhile one and a useful one, and it's the way this team needs. So I think if the line follows the example of what we saw from Vladimir Tarasenko yesterday, you're going to be in some really good shape until Butch Navich comes back. Finally, Curbs, you're a 22-year veteran of NHL broadcasting. Give us an idea of how packing changes when you're headed to Edmonton and Calgary in mid-December. <laughs> okay, so, well, the first thing you do is I, I go on and I look at every single city and I look at what the projected weather is. At this point in time, it's I make sure I bring my North Face coat because I love how that cuts down the wind. you got to make sure with a bald head that you have a hat, <laughs> right? You realize that when we're in Edmonton, you actually don't have to go outside for anything because it's so cold up there, they connected every building in the city, right? Calgary, okay, that's a little bit different of a building. And then you'll go out to Vancouver, then you hit Seattle and Vegas, so... The challenge is you kind of you gotta kind of pack for mid-level weather here and hope that it doesn't get too cold. Like the only problem for us would be if some bus or something breaks down. But <laughs> I think it this, this one's the challenging ones. And when you're like, okay, we're gonna go to Edmonton right now and then follow it up with LA, and you're like, what the hell do I bring down to this? <laughs> right, right. In your I mean, that's the way that works. So it, it looks like you've got a high of 23 in Edmonton while you're there, and then Calgary the next day, high of 28, no precip. So I, I think you'll be all right. Yeah, that that means uh, that's a stock. That's that's my Fulham stocking cap and a pair of gloves, and then just bundle it up. <laughs> All right, <laughs> Curbs, go get them tonight. We'll be tuned in. Thank you very much. All right, have an awesome week, you guys. You too. See you later. That is the voice of the Blues here on 101 ESPN, the great Chris Kerber. Coming up, we need a fighter for the fight. So text in the word fight to six five seven eight zero. 65780 to the Air Comfort Service text line with the word fight. And maybe Matthew will pick you to compete against me here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Red. Welcome back 
to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Matthew Rocchio, and we are preparing for the fight in Rock. We got a fight on our hands with a new contestant this week. Yeah. To start off the week. That was a... We almost had a Hall of Famer. We almost had a Hall of Famer today on a Monday again. And I didn't. I didn't want to deal with that. So nah. I appreciate Randy winning there on Friday. Yeah, he, he did. A, he did his job as normal, and uh, you did your job. You did a good job with the questions, and we have some very good questions here as well. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank yeah. you much, Gary. I'm I'm credit for, credit I, 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 I like the ones for today. I think they, yeah. they turned out a little fun. Our contestant for today is Ryan. Ryan, how are you doing this morning? I'm good, Kerry. How are you guys doing? Doing wonderful. Are you ready for this fight? Ready as I'll ever be. All right, here we go. Jamison Williams caught his first career pass for a 41-yard touchdown. Which of the 2021 first-round rookies also started his career last season with a touchdown catch on his first career reception? Was it Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, or Devontae Smith? Uh, I'm going to go with Jalen Waddell. Happy birthday to one of the most underrated defensive tackles in NFL history, Hall of Famer John Randall. Since Randall led the league in sacks in 97, only three other interior defensive linemen have done the same. Aaron Donald did it once. J.J. Watt did it twice. Those are the easy ones. Who is the third? Was that Leroy Glover, Warren Sapp, or Kevin Williams? I'm going to say Warren Sapp. All right, happy 90th birthday to Bob Pettit. In 1956, Bob Pettit was the inaugural winner of which NBA season award? Was it the Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, or Most Valuable Player? I'm sorry, Kerry. Could you say that one more time? Bob Pettit was the inaugural winner of which NBA season award? Was it Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, or Most Valuable Player? I believe it was Rookie of the Year. And yesterday, Christian McCaffrey posted his 11th career game with both the rushing and receiving touchdown, tying Jim Brown for fourth all-time. Which player holds the NFL record with 15 such games? LaDainian Tomlinson, Lamont Jordan, or Marshall Falk? Um, I'm going to say LT. All right, we'll double-check in our scores, and we will go get Randy Character. Ryan, how you feeling? I uh, feel, feel okay. Feel okay? All right. Are you, any any of them uh, stump you or, or surprise you? Uh, the one with Bob Pettit. I was I was a little that's a little older than me. <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> Rock tends to do that at times. We uh we have right, questions that are outdated that that, that yeah. we are a little bit too young for. But you know, we try to figure them out as best we can. <laughs> hey, trivia is history, ladies and gentlemen. There's and, a little history and in there. For those that don't know, Rock is a historian, so there you go. Yeah, I'm, I'm 30. I knew. I, I, know, I know some of these things. I'm just saying. <laughs> Randy, say hello to Ryan. Ryan, good morning. How are you doing? Good. Good morning, Randy. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We appreciate it. Thank you. Ryan, he's got Diet Dr. Pepper in his hands. Yes, I don't sir. know how this is going to go for you. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Randy, here we go. Okay. Jamison Williams caught his first career pass for a 41-yard touchdown. Mm-hmm. Which of the 2021 first-round rookies also started his career with a touchdown catch on his first career reception? So this would have been last year's guys. So uh, Chase was a rookie. Um, who else would have been in that group? Seems like Jamar Chase would have done something like that because he was just so darn good. So I will. Uh, I'll go with him. 
Happy birthday to one of the most underrated defensive tackles in NFL history, Hall of Famer John Randall. Since John Randall led the league in sacks in 97, only three other interior defensive linemen have done the same. Aaron Donald did it once. J.J. Watt did it twice. Who is the third one? Third defensive tackle to lead the league in sacks? Yep, since, since, ni- since 1997, when John Randall did it. 1997. Um, okay, and who, the two that you have are... Aaron Donald and J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt, three, four guys. Um, let's see. I guess I got to go with the lifeline here. Is it Leroy Glover, Warren Sapp, or Kevin Williams? Hmm. I'll go Kevin Williams with the Vikings that one year. All right, Randy, happy 90th birthday to Bob Pettit. Mm-hmm. In 1956, Pettit was the inaugural winner of which NBA season award? I'll go with MVP. All right, yesterday Christian McCaffrey posted his 11th career game with both a receiving and rushing touchdown, tying Jim Brown for fourth all-time. Which player holds the NFL record with 15 such games? Can you repeat that question, please? Yesterday, Christian McCaffrey posted his 11th career game with both a receiving and rushing touchdown in the same game, tying Jim Brown for fourth all-time. Which player holds the NFL record with 15 such games? I don't know. That's kind of nebulous. I will will go with, uh, I guess I'll go with Marshall Falk. All right, we have a winner in this fight. It was a tough fight today. One of the lower total scores between both fighters that we've gotten in a while. But we do have a winner. Let's just get right to a ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is driven by Mobile On The Run. Join the On The Run STL Wash Club for a limited time offer of $5 a month. Download the app today. Just win, baby. Randy Carricker wins the fight today. It's a 2-0 win for Randy Carricker in today's fight, Ryan. Again, I'm sorry, it's just a 2-0 win for Randy Carricker. Not often we just get two questions right through the eight, but let's go through those answers. Jamison Williams caught his first career touchdown pass for a 41-yard, or first career pass for a 41-yard touchdown. It was Devontae Smith, hmm. who was the rookie last year, who also caught his first career touchdown for a, or first career catch for a touchdown catch. Happy birthday to John Randall, Hall of Famer John Randall, I should say. He led the league in sacks in 97. There's only three other interior defensive linemen who have done it since. Aaron Donald, J.J. Watt and Leroy Glover did it in 2000, leading the league with 16 and a half sacks. Happy 90th birthday to Bob Pettit in 1956. Pettit was the inaugural winner of the NBA's MVP award. He also won it in 1959, and of course, in between those two, won a championship for your St. Louis Hawks in 1958. And then yesterday, Christian McCaffrey posted his 11th career game with both a rushing and receiving touchdown. The NFL record holder with 15 games is, in fact, St. Louis Ram Marshall Falk. Mm. 15 total games in his career with a rushing and receiving touchdown in the same game. A 2-0 win for Randy Carricker. Ryan, thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you so much for joining the fight. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Love the show. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Good to have you with us on 101 ESPN. As we roll on, the Blues did come away with a good effort yesterday, but it was in a 3-2 overtime loss to Colorado. But heck, you led with 10 seconds left. So how are you feeling? Good or bad about that one? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back.
back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. No, I mean, we did a lot of good things, like I said, but, you know, we're all disappointed we didn't win the game, uh, including all the players that played the game, everybody. We're all disappointed, but it's a good point. Uh, we battled, we did a lot of good things, like I said, and we got to keep work, keep building off it and keep working. we got a tough game again tomorrow coming in. It was a good point for your St. Louis Blues, and yes, they did allow a goal with the uh, nine seconds left to Miko Randon, and they did allow the overtime goal 29 seconds in, but they played Colorado to a standstill. They took the lead with a minute 36 to go, so they were in the game at the end, and like Craig Bruby said, it was a disappointing way to end it, but like he also said, they did get a point, and CD, even though this is a dramatically diminished Colorado Avalanche team. They're missing Landeskog. They're missing. They're missing McKinnon. They're missing Helm. They're missing Byron. They're missing Manson. They're, they're missing a lot of the key guys from their Stanley Cup championship. Yes, I'll grant you that. Okay, they're missing the two most important guys. But <laughs> the Blues were able to hang with them and only lost by a goal, and they did get a point out of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say that if. They had to fight back into the game and then went to overtime and lost. They were winning in the third period with an opportunity to close the door mm-hmm. and get two points. And you allowed a goal. Obviously, a misfortune. You know they 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 have the uh, extra player on the ice because they take the, they have the empty net and and then Barbashev's helmet comes off, so he has to get off the ice. But I, I just I would feel that way. If they had to come back into the game and lost, they were winning that game and with the opportunity to close the door and ended up losing the game. And so for me, you know, I don't I don't necessarily do moral victories or or victories that, you know, feel good things or win. I'm of the Herm Edwards school of thought. You play to win sure, the game. Yep. Hello. That, that, that's mm-hmm. my mindset. And especially when you have the opportunity to do so, get the puck out of your zone. Uh, be more aggressive in front of the net. Get people, remove people from from in front of your net, and not allow them to tip pucks in. It's not a it's not a difficult task, Randy. It's a it's a it's a simple thing when you when you here's here's what you do. You bend your knees a little bit because your power <laughs> comes from low to high, and you move people out of the way. That that's you start there. Fundamentals. Bend your knees. You got to bend your knees and and move people out of the way. And when you do that, uh, you don't allow goals to be tipped in, um, and, and you lose games in that way. From the three one four, I feel like we're back to the old blues days when we're just waiting for something bad to happen to break our hearts. That's it, that's kind eh, of it. Yeah, eh, it happened I, yesterday. The thing I, I I will say this to the end of time: when you're a good team, you win those games, mm-hmm. and when you are a bad team, you find a way to lose it. It's just how the ball bounces. It's how the puck bounces. It's how things play out when you are are not a good team. Things seem to find you. Or find a way to get into the net when you're not playing well. And, Kerry, that's why I don't feel bad. Because I don't think this team is that great. <laughs> well, I, yeah, but you had a chance to win. You, you did. You but, had everything right there in front of you. Uh, Literally, get, it was right there in front of you. Like, stop it. I. Th- this might sound harsh. Might be harsh. I think there are about eight teams in the league that the Blues can reasonably go into the game expecting to win against. Why is that? 
Because when you look at the roster, you wouldn't have said that uh, coming into this season. No, You felt like coming into this season, this team had a real chance to to make a playoff push, to be one of the better teams. And and now here we are 25 games in and we're looking at it and saying, yeah, we got a point versus the Avs. Like, yeah, congrats. How does it go from that to this in this point of the season? I think there's a couple of things. I don't think that there is a single player on this team I run and text six five seven eight zero if you disagree. I don't think that there's a single player on this team that is exceeding expectation. Okay, they're playing better than we would expect they were. Conversely, with where people like Ryan O'Reilly are in their career, Braden Shen are in their career, Vladimir Tarasenko, Tori Krug, I don't think there's a player that's playing well below mm-hmm. what they are, and that that includes the goalie because the goalie, as we've been, uh, mentioned. Every year for five years, his goals against average has gone up. Every year for five years, his save percentage has gone down. I think they are what they are. I I don't think that they're good. I I, I just I, and they they've got a lot of really nice elements, but as a unit, I don't think that they're playing, and I don't think they're capable of playing at a Stanley Cup championship level. And that is just just the the reality of where we are right now with yeah. this team and. and it, but it, but doesn't mean it's not frustrating, because I think I think even with that being said, you give up forty nine goals in in ten games, you are not going to win many of those games, and they're two seven and one in those games. Yep. It's it's not a recipe for success, and it starts with it starts with effort, and it starts with guys doing their job. And 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 you know, Baruby said earlier, you got to box that guy out, you got to get him out from in front of the goal, and make help your goalie out. And and I've talked about this, you know, over the past couple of weeks. There are times where where Bennington was frustrated, and you look at other teams when our players get in front of their goal mm-hmm. goalie, they 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 they're not going to allow that to happen too often. But when it happens to us, it's like teams t- tend to have free and, range to to be there and and. Really park right in front of the net. Right. And and just look at the personality of the Blues guys right now. Obviously, Colton Pareko's a big guy. He's not going any, to knock anybody out. Uh, Tory Krug is a, is a wee lad. He's probably not going <laughs> to knock any big fellas out, right? That's just not who Nick Letty is. Uh, it, it's not who Justin Falk is. Obviously, Bortuzzo and Mikali, your, your last pairing, they can do it, but are they yeah. on the ice against the other team's best players? No, they aren't. So your top four guys are guys who, for whatever reason, are predisposed to not do what we're talking about. Randy, does the fact that a lot of these talking points sound very similar to December of 2018, the, you know, the lack of a 200-foot game, the lack of four-checking consistently, bad passing being the points where their game falls apart, and letting too many guys just sit on their own on, on their own goalie's crease, does the fact that it's the similar talking points as then give you more confidence that Baruby can turn it around again, or does the fact that it's lapsing back to that same thing make you more worried than if it was something else popping up? I knew... That Jay Bomeister was a really good player. I knew that Alex Petrangelo was a really good player. I knew that Joel Edmondson, for what his role was, was a really good player. He had a 27 year old O'Reilly, he had a 27, 26 year old Shen, a 27 year old Vladimir Tarasenko. Uh, you, you had a 29 year old David Perron. That was just a different group. And everybody who was around that team, and the reason the coach got fired was because they weren't living up to expectations. That's the difference for me. I think that team was not 
And if you really squinted hard, and by the way, Tom Stillman came in here when they were in last place with Bernie and Michelle and said, yeah, I think we're going to come back and be fine. And Wayne Gretzky told the Riz Show, hey, watch out for the Blues. Even though they were in last place, Wayne Gretzky, who knows something about hockey, told those guys, hey, it's a talented team. They just aren't playing well. I don't think that this particular edition of the Blues is capable of doing what that team did. And I don't think it has anything to do with coaching. I think it has to do with the current abilities of the the group of players. If you look at those those defensemen that you just named, is are, is this group of defensemen more talented than that group? I think at his best. If you if you put Justin Falk, who we can we all agree Justin Falk is the best guy on this team, defenseman. Yep. He'd be number 4 on that team. Okay. He'd be because Colton Talent-wise or, or... In terms of playing. Just playing. Colton Pareko played great right. that year. Right. Colton Pareko and Jay Bomeister were the best pairing in the playoffs. And Pareko played great. Bomeister, Petro. And, and Justin Fox was a really good player. But you had two guys that whenever Canada was in the Olympics and they were in a one-goal game, who was on the ice mm-hmm. in, in the Olympics or the World Championships? It was Bomeister and Petrangelo. Right. The, those guys were not only the best on their team, they were among the best in the whole world. Mm. And the Blues don't have anybody that lives up to those standards right now. So they're they're going to struggle. I think that, and I, everybody that has signed up to hear me on the radio for 25 years knows that I'm a Doug Armstrong fan. I don't think this is Doug Armstrong's best effort. I shouldn't say effort. He tried hard. I, I, I don't think that he put together the team that he expected to put together. I, I think that there were mistakes made with the construction of this team. And... I even, not I even, because a lot of people first guessed not keeping Perron. Mm-hmm. And long term, there, there are the cemeteries are full of indispensable people. He wasn't indispensable. But for this particular group of players, David Perron was a pretty important part. And with what Nick Letty is offering you right now, probably would have been better off keeping Perron here. Would he have made the difference? Oh, no. No, not, they, not, they, they not, just don't have enough guys. They don't, as as has been said about the Cardinals before they got uh, Nolan Arnauto. There, there aren't enough dudes on this team. And if you don't have, I've had coaches tell me in in the past it's about the Jimmy and Joe, Jimmys and Joes more than the X's and O's. Yep, exactly. <laughs> you got to have guys that uh, are are studs, but you also got to have guys that give effort yep. every single night. And if you're not able to to do those things. You're going to struggle in, in, in any sport. And for the Blues to have done what they've done since 2012 for a decade, it's hard to do. Yeah. And they, they've been they, not only good, they've been excellent for a decade. They've been a Stanley Cup contender every single year except for one for a decade. Mm-hmm. And they just aren't right now. So what is the so so with that being said, we finish out this season. However it mm-hmm. goes, what are, what are the next steps to correct this issue? And, and are some of those steps taken prior to the uh to the trade deadline. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. And they've got a lot of money committed already against the salary cap for next year. They're going to have to find some creative ways to be able to make moves where they can bring in players that are necessary. And maybe this is a guy like Perunovic getting healthy. Like people say, oh, trade Tory Krug. If you're another general manager right now, are you trading for Tory right. Krug? No, right. you, you aren't going to. So they might have to make some painful moves so that they can get the sort of personnel that they need for succeeding. To get better. Yep. Yep. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. And uh, the Blues in action tonight, 6 o'clock here on 101 ESPN, 7 o'clock face-off. I just, that was a great <laughs> promo that we just gave you for 10 minutes. <laughs> hey. <laughs>
<laughs> Gotta be honest sometimes. What do you, what do you, what do you want from us? <laughs> hey, coming up next, the Mets are going to spend almost four hundred and fifty million dollars in twenty twenty three. Is that good for baseball? That's next on one hundred and one ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on one hundred and one ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Carry break down the biggest story of the day on the opening drive. It's time for today's big thing. Nine oh five in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And today's big thing: we're going to talk about the New York Mets, who have added a lot of players this year to their team. They've also given many of their players a big raise, but Steve Cohen, their owner, is now facing a tax bill of $76.2 million. That is a tax for going over the 233, 243, 253, and 263 million dollar thresholds that are put in place by the CBA. Their total outlay of payroll CD will be $421 million. $421 million is what they're going to have to pay players this year. And that $421 million payroll will exceed the total estimated revenues of more than half the teams in baseball. That is uh, absolutely amazing. And and I guess if you are Steve Cohen, you're 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 telling your team and your your fan base that we're going for it. We're going for an opportunity to win a championship uh, at the cost of of us having to pay uh, an obscene amount of money in in in, in taxes just because of the the, the salaries that we have. Mm-hmm. If you're paying that much money, you pretty much have to win a championship, correct? You would think so. Yeah, that, like that has to be the the anything other than that is is that a, a, a wasted season? I would feel like it is because even if you make it to the NLCS, you I mean, you're still not and don't win it. You're still not winning a championship and you're still having all of that money on mm-hmm. the on the books. That seems it seems obscene. And I, I don't I don't think that it's unfair because it's it's there for for any team to do so if they choose to. I mean, if you if you want to spend that amount of money, I don't think it messes up the competitive balance in, in baseball. And, I think it's it's just your choice. And here's the thing. If you choose to, because. When you look at team revenues, let me uh, get the list here. For the, for example, the Cardinals were estimated to have generated $287 million in revenue in 2021. 2022 okay. probably went up about $10 million in tickets and then $15 million from the BAM sale. So 297 302 probably, 302 305 for Cardinals' estimated team revenues. A team is paying 421 in payroll. Another team that's doing really, really well, by the way, is taking in a little over 300 in revenues. I don't know how to reconcile this. Uh, how to, and leave the Cardinals out of this, how do franchises like the Royals and the Reds and the the Pirates and the Marlins have a chance if their revenues are being not just by a little bit, but dramatically outweighed by another team's payroll out- outlay. Well, I think you have to have a hell of a scouting department mm-hmm. and get those young guys on the field uh, before they get to those contracts. I think that's the the only way. I think the Marlins have done that in their championship years where they, they were not uh, a team that spent a lot of money, but they were able to win championships. 
you have to find a way. If if a team like the Mets are paying this much money, you still have to find a way to be competitive versus them. And and it not it it doesn't necessarily mean that the that the Mets are going to win a championship just because they're spending that money. I forget what team we played last year. I think it was the Pirates or maybe it was the Reds where we were we were going into that game and and that series and they were. Oh, they they haven't spent any money. And the, the Reds mm-hmm. beat us. I think it was the Reds or the Pirates. They beat us two or three games of that series. And it's like they're still professional baseball players. So if you are a team that is spending drastically less amount of money than the Mets are, you're going to have to have your scouting staff find guys that are able to compete and come along uh, sooner rather than later. And right now, as we speak, I still believe that the Braves are a better team than the Mets. Mm-hmm. But the Mets, it doesn't appear as if Cohen is going to stop. And when you look at what the Mets have done, they gave more money to Brandon Nimmo than he was making last year. They replaced Jacob deGrom, who's superb, with Justin Verlander, who's superb. Uh, They added a third starter in uh, the Japanese starter that they signed over the weekend. Uh, Senga Senga. is his name. Uh, he he essentially replaces Chris Bassett mm-hmm. in their rotation. Uh, they've added a couple of relievers. I I don't think that they're significantly better than they were at the end of last year, but they are making significantly more money. And if you're smart, by the way, not saying they aren't smart, but a really sharp organization that spends efficiently could blow everybody else out of the water. I, I agree, and and so like I said, just because you're spending that amount of money does not necessarily mean that you're going to be a championship team. What round did the did the Mets lose in last year? Was it the first first round? That's what I thought. Padres. So who well, also they, spending they, a, lot they spend a lot of money too? Yeah. So <laughs> I, I guess that they're finding ways to to make it happen. Um, but I, it's going to be for me the 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 money that they spent on 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 Verlander to come in there at 40 years old. I don't know if that's going to you, – you never know what you're going to get when you when you get to a certain age. There are times, as I said, I wake up, my body does not feel mm-hmm. right, and I have not done anything but walk the day before. So, you know, as a professional baseball player, 40 years old, Scherzer, 38 years old, those two contracts are going to be uh, extremely they important if, they go, if they're going to be a good team this year. And here, here's the biggest issue. I think it's bad for baseball when fans of teams – and. Oakland is an outlier. That's just a bad organization. But the Reds, two years ago, tried really hard. The Pirates, seven, eight years ago, were were trying really hard. The Royals won a world championship seven years ago. Uh, The Tigers have tried really hard, and they, they put their money where their mouth is. The Rangers are trying right now. We'll see how it works for them. The Angels have tried really hard, inefficiently, but they've tried really hard. They're a group of fans, Arizona Diamondbacks fans, that... Their team can try really hard and still have no chance. Right. Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander in 2023 are going to make more as a, a pair of yeah. guys than six whole teams made last year. And if, if I, I think it's bad for baseball, and by the way, this was a competitive balance tax mm-hmm. that isn't working. But ultimately, when you have guys like Steve Cohen, when you have... Uh, franchises like the Dodgers, and you have a group of 10 teams that has absolutely no chance, I think that's bad for the sport. And that's why I think players at some point, and it's going to be a long time now, but if, if the if the, if the the league is going to work, if the sport is going to work, you need to give cities like Kansas City, Chiefs have a chance, mm-hmm. need to give cities like 
Green Bay, Milwaukee won a championship right. last year. You need to give the smaller markets a chance. And the only way to do that is to have a salary cap and a salary floor that there is competitive balance financially. Does that do does the player association sign off on that? Is that something yeah. that, that they, they are were offered and rejected it out of hand? They first and they say, Well, we don't want teams tanking, but then they come back and they say, well, we want to have more competitive balance, right. but they they don't offer a solution for it because they were offered a salary cap and a salary floor way before negotiations started, and they said, no, we aren't going there. If you're a free agent, though, are you are you looking at a team like the Reds or the Pirates if, if, you, if that's your – I mean, if that's your only option for as far as you're talking about with a salary cap, is that – is that a place where you want to be, or or are they are you still trying to find your way to the Yankees or or to the Mets well, in this might, case? But uh, does it? You, I'm, I'm, it I guess I'm asking that because does it really look at it from make Pittsburgh? It, make it look more at it balanced? from Pittsburgh terms in 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 the NFL. Mm-hmm. Guys want to go to Pittsburgh. They right? do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I I think so. If if the front office is smart and the team has a chance and you want to win, yeah, I think so. Well, I I mean I've seen games at at when they play at the Great American Small Park, and there are not there are more fans here than there are yeah. in some and, of and, and I mean, in this studio. Oh, right, exactly. <laughs> and they just don't give... Uh, to me, that's the, the issue, is fans aren't given the opportunity to even hope that their yeah. team is going to be able to compete for a championship. Yeah. And I, I think, ultimately, it, it is... It's great for Mets fans. It's great for Cohen. It's great for Mets players. great for players overall. But in the big scheme of things, is it good for the global sport? I don't think so. Yeah. But it is what it is, and it's not changing. So you better be smart if you're the Cardinals, and you do have a $300 million revenue stream, and the, the Mets are paying 421 Number one, the Cardinals aren't going to get to that uh, no. tax threshold of that he got to. But you also better be really smart, and like you said at the top, be able to scout and develop guys. That's the most important part, because if you can get them in there while they're younger and, and not having to pay them, you know, obscene amounts of money, you, you can have an opportunity to win championships. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. That's today's big thing on 101 ESPN. Coming up, last night, Tua had a really bad night. Did the Chargers expose Tua for being less than what he was perceived to have been? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. I would say they're well. The defenses that we've we've played have been playing exactly what what we've expected them to play. That they've put on film, um, and you know, it, it really just goes back to the details of how we play our offense, and we're we're not all dialed in with that. So we'll, we have to go back to the drawing board, figure this out. You know, gotta gotta keep from losing. I mean, it sucks. That's Dolphins quarterback Tua Tagovailoa, and he had a rugged evening last night in a 23-17 loss to the Chargers. Tua was only 10 of 28 for 145 yards, 5.2 average. He didn't throw in any any interceptions and did have a touchdown pass. And CD, as as you watch that thing unfold, it looked like just a bad game. He he's got the the tools, right? He's got the weapons, but they just didn't do anything to get those weapons firing last night. Well, it, it seems as though teams are starting to understand how to play coverage against them. I think at times uh, earlier in the season, they're facing the most zone coverage of any team, and as was Kansas City was last year. But one thing about 
when linebackers make their drops, they usually drop 10 to 12 yards. And if you're able to run a crossing pattern 15 yards deep, you're going to be able to be open. So now I think linebackers are learning. We need to drop just a couple of yards deeper, and now we'll be in those passing lanes, making it harder for Tua to find some open receivers. There was a point last night where he was 5 for 10 for 104 yards in the fourth quarter. Five, sorry, mm-hmm. 5 for 20 for 104 yeah. yards in the fourth quarter. And and you cannot win a game like that. They they were not running the football well enough. They got an opportunity. Jeff Wilson was was running the ball pretty hard. He put the ball on the ground. Tyreek was able to scoop it up. A play I've never seen before in my life. Scooped it up <laughs> it and ran it for yeah. 60, 50, 60 yards for a touchdown. Um, but they're not running the ball enough or effectively enough. And if they do, then you'll have those opportunities to hit those crossing routes because what that does is it forces those linebackers not to drop as deep on passes. If you're running the ball well, now you can play action pass. It's going to hold those linebackers just a hair longer. So now you can complete those passes behind them and have opportunities to make big plays. And by the way, they have a good tight end to Mike Gusecki, who would be a, a really good weapon to attack what you're talking about. Yeah. He was only targeted twice last night. And one of them, one of the targets, he, it was thrown out of bounds. He yeah. didn't even have yeah. a chance to throw it, to catch it. Uh, I used to have a coach to say, if you, he, Coach Turner would get so mad at the quarterbacks when they didn't give the receiver a chance. He said, next time I'll just spike We'll just spike the damn ball <laughs> if you're going to throw it out of bounds. <laughs> he would get yeah. so upset, irate when quarterbacks wouldn't give a receiver a chance. But it, it, that's really what it boils down to: is he has to give himself a chance, and he has to. Give, and Mike, uh, Mike, um, Gusecki. No, 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 no. The head coach. Oh, McDaniel. McDaniel has to do a better job of running the football and allowing Tua to be able to play action pass and get those receivers some some opportunities downfield. If you look at the big stretch where Tua really solidified, you know that potential MVP candidacy. You're right there against Detroit, Chicago, Cleveland. He throws for 300 yards, two touchdowns in all those games. He obviously had the he had the big game against the Ravens, and you know he, he finished it off. He had some solid games against the Steelers and the Texans, but it was those really those big three weeks. And if you look at those teams, they run man coverage around 30 to 40% of the time. In those games, they all ran man coverage around 8 to 12%. The Chargers are the fifth highest man coverage team and they kept doing it. Yes, yes, Tyreek got hurt. So the the long-term, you know, game plan might have changed. It might have broken down in the second half if Tyreek was able to break it. But they were slowing him down with press man coverage in the first half before the injury. And so I just wonder is this now are we going to see teams start playing more of their regular league average? of man coverage instead of just completely shifting and going hard zone in fear of Tyreek and just force Tua to, you know, hit those man you know, those man routes in those those tight windows that he clearly can't do week in and week and out. And it does help when uh, and I know the Chargers were limited mm-hmm. by injuries. But they have a lot of good personnel on defense. They do. Derwin uh, James was out of the game. I think I don't think Bosa played either. No. They, they, those guys were not in the game, and and they still had a, a good game plan going against two and those guys. I will I will uh, go against you know kind of have a rebuttal for what you're saying. If teams decide to play more man against the Dolphins, that's that's probably working in their favor because at some point if you're playing man. And, and the safeties are eyes that they, they have to know where the receivers are. But if they're doing a lot of play action and having the opportunity, it starts with the run game. And I know, you know, so many coaches do not want to run the football in, in today's day and age. They want to air it out. They want to get big chunks of plays. You have to run the football. And when you do, that's when that man coverage will be a detriment to any team that is playing it. Because now those safeties are going to be more engaged in the run game and you got Tyreek and Jalen Waddle running right past people. You know, it's going to be it, – it, it starts with that. 
But the fact that the, the, the Dolphins, who were, I think, one of the teams that we expected mm-hmm. to go and have a great run into the playoffs, the fact that they lost two of those games on the West Coast and now they have to go back home and, and kind of regroup and resort some things out, it's going to be interesting to see how well they do next week um, after those two losses in, in San Francisco and in Los Angeles. And now they have to go to Buffalo uh, and play at night on Saturday night in the cold weather. You're looking at potentially three losses in a row. Yeah. And you that is not, you know, that's not a team that – Three five weeks ago, you were saying, "Oh, Tua's back." They haven't they haven't lost a game when Tua has been healthy, and he was playing at an MVP level, and now he's kind of regressing back to what we thought he was. And it's it's they have to figure something out. I don't mm-hmm. know, <laughs> I don't know where uh, they've gone wrong, but they have to figure some things out. By the way, the Bills um, throughout the season play. Uh, man coverage about 29% of the time. In week three, when they last played two in the Dolphins, they played it 8% of the time. There's no need to play it. I mean, I, I, I will go back to Tyreek when he played against the uh, Buccaneers the year that they uh, yeah. the year be, they played him in the regular season and then they played him in the playoffs. The regular season, the Bucks wanted to go man-to-man and Tyreek torched them. And then in the playoffs in the Super Bowl, they went zone and he did not, they weren't able to find anything. He had like 190 yards in the first quarter. Yes, and three touchdowns. He was going off against <laughs> yeah. Carlton Davis. And one of the, it wasn't a great offensive game for the Dolphins at all. But they only threw the ball eighteen times while they ran the ball about twenty times. So the the balance actually forcing the the, the Bills to play the run a little bit kept them in that zone and kept and, and, and got them a big win against Buffalo early. And, in the and here here's my also my, my other concern the 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 Dolphins started that game off. I feel like passing the ball maybe nine out of ten plays to, to start the game. They did not decide to run the ball early in that game. They went three and out, I believe, on the first two series. And if you're going to do that and it's all passes, you got to figure out, because now you're behind the eight ball. You've you started two drives out and not gained. You haven't flipped the field. You haven't done anything to uh, to, to to give a little pressure to the opposing defense. they gotta, they got to be a little bit more balanced to start games, and, and that will probably help as well. That's Kerry. That's Matthew. I'm Randy. Coming up, rock and roll on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. All right, time for Rock and Roll here on 101 ESPN. Matthew, what do you got for us? I got a feel-good story for you right off the bat, Randy. I don't know if you guys have been following. This has been a kind of story that's been on, on Twitter and kind of in the background of sports about five or six years, and that is the story of Hansel Emanuel. He is the one-armed basketball player mm-hmm. that you might have seen some incredible highlights from of him dunking all over people in, his, in, girlfriend's name in is? his high school days. Don't, Randy, it's, it's not. That's not her. That's not uh, Gr- oh, It's not Gretel. Oh. Gretel Hallelujah. Gretel Hallelujah. <laughs> it's, it's Hansel Emanuel and Gretel, Gretel Hallelujah <laughs> is his girlfriend's name. Um, he scored his first points. He's playing basketball at Northwestern State. They're having a nice start off to their season, and he's been able to get into a few games. He started off the season over 2 with one rebound. Well, he finally got his first point scored in a 91-73 win over Louisiana Monroe. He crashed the, uh, the boards from the wing, got a pass, and then was able to finish with a layup. He finished the game two or three from the field one of five from the foul line his second field goal make by the way was a thunderous dunk through the lane and just anytime I watch this guy play basketball I'm sitting there in absolute awe, disbelief, wonder. To make it as a college basketball player, we always hear it when you talk to high school coaches or when you're in high school and you're an athlete and they always have the, the signs up. It's like, you know, 1.9% of high school players will play in college and, you know, you know, 0.05% will make it to the pros. You know, 
that's 1.9 percent is is so small and then to do it having only one arm after an injury when he was six years old when a, 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 a shark a, no a, a bunch of cinder blocks fell on his arm and he had to have his arm amputated he's also from the dominican republic so you talk about everything this kid has overcome and then that small infinitesimal number that gets to play college basketball in the first place and he overcomes all of that scores his first point i absolutely love this is story. he left-handed he is our uh, righty. Okay. Yep. I think he, he made the uh, the dunk was after he, he missed the free throw. They didn't box him out. Got the rebound, dunked it in, and and you know it's a. I think it's a great story because there are so many kids that deal with different uh, injuries or different things that that may be. Uh, they look, they're looked at, or, or maybe laughed at, or made fun of. And this is a young man who has dealt with this, in, this, this uh, amputee, and, and not having this, having only one arm for for a vast period of his life, and still able to excel in in sports and do all of the things. Is really telling other kids. Him and Shaquem Griffin, the the mm-hmm. former uh, Seahawks player who who only had one hand, is telling kids that do not give up on your dream, do not give up on on anything. There are no limitations. You can do anything that you try and work hard at and put. Your mind to and it is a feel-good story he's a kid that you know honestly if he had both if he was able to have both limbs he would be a he would have been a much higher recruited player but because of that he wasn't but he still had the opportunity to to play at northwest northwestern state and is a you know as a freshman i think he's going to be a a good time for him and and good career for him it's amazing how resilient young people are and they they don't put limitations on themselves because they don't realize there are limitations to them that that's kind of a level of normal and awesome for him and his parents to get an opportunity to see him succeed at something he loves despite the the perceived limitations younger people tend to have a better mindset and and better ability to handle some things that us older folks would would just really struggle with or struggle from you know it's i'm sure he was had had to go through his his trials as a child and and being made fun of and all of those things but to be able to be where he is now is just a, a tribute to his hard work and you know his parents making sure that he stayed on the right path so kudos to him phenomenal and also shout out shout out to shakeem griffin for making it to the nfl yeah. a few years ago that yeah. was man i love that every 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 bit of that story he was an incredible player um speaking of linebackers over in the nfc west dre greenlaw last night uh, or yesterday afternoon i should say picked off the great one tom brady he then went up to brady afterwards and had him sign and had him sign the ball that he picked off dre greenlaw was asked in the post game presser about how that went down with the GOAT and he broke it down for the reporters. I mean, he, he's a good guy to be able to sign that ball after he didn't threw them picks. Like, that's big time. So, I mean, I appreciate him. He's the greatest. He's the greatest. He's a GOAT. So, got to, you know, soothe him up, make him feel better. So, I'm like, man, yeah, you're the greatest ever, man. You know, all that good stuff. But he is. He is. But, I mean, you know, and he, he was like, yeah, I appreciate it, man. Good job and stuff. And I was like, man, you ain't got to sign the balls. You know, I just, because I knew he looked like he was going through a lot. So I was like, man, you ain't got to sign the balls. And then Fred come over there. Fred's like, you get the ball signed? And I'm just like, yeah, man, now nah, you got to sign these balls. And he signed them. So, I mean, it was, it was cool, man. Gary Davis, your thoughts about Tom Brady, you know, doing something nice for, for, for one of the younger players and saying, listen, I, I've thrown a lot of these in my days and it's been a rough season, but I'll, I'll, I'll help a fellow player out well, and I, sign, the, sign the intercepted ball for he, Greg he, Greenlaw. I think Tom Brady understands who he is in this game and and how important he is a lot of these guys were 
you know, grade school, high school, college when he began his career, and now they're on the same field with him. I'm sure there they are there are times where they are in awe of him. And if you can get him to sign a football, uh, you know, kudos to you. I, I I thought you were gonna mention him being choked out by the by the strong side linebacker Al Shahir, who uh who grabbed him who grabbed <laughs> Brady by too. his throat. If you didn't see that, yeah, go that go too. check it out. He he, <laughs> he grabbed him by his throat as he was throwing the ball. Uh pretty fascinating to me. Or you surprised that there were NFL fans who were bothered by the by by Tom Brady signing a, a, a ball that he threw that got intercepted no. in the game that he lost. No, I mean, am I surprised that NFL fans I'm not, are I'm not bothered? asking if you're bothered. I'm asking if you're surprised that there were actual people who were surprised. angry about that. People are angry angry about everything, Rock. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I want to give the people out there a bit of advice. If you are a person that is angry all the time, Find something to be happy about. Yeah. Find anything. You woke up this morning. You're listening to the opening drive. You got Randy and I and Rock. We're giving you great information. This is a great day for you. Don't let it be the worst day of the of the week or the worst day of the year. It's a great day. Just wake up with that mindset. Don't hate everything. Why are you so angry? Smile. I agree with you 100%. Find something to be happy about. Well, here, I'll give you one more thing to be happy about. Okay. I've already, I already got two nice stories for you. I'm going to give you a third. Come on. How about Chris Letang? Returning to the ice 12 days after suffering his second stroke. That was kind of the, the the craziest piece of this information when he suffered a stroke. Big reaction there. But the fact that it was detailed in the reporting of his second stroke that he had one a few years ago. He only missed five games. He came back, skated in 25 shifts of the Penguins' 3-1 victory, and he covered 22 minutes and 14 seconds of ice time again. Coming back from his second stroke ever, Chris Letang already back in the lineup for the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's incredible. I remember when Teddy Bruschi returned for the New England Patriots, and I Obviously, at the time, I was not a New England Patriots fan. I wasn't either. Uh, and so I didn't get into the feel-good moment. I didn't but, either. <laughs> I did not expect Randy to affirm that comment. But uh. looking back on it now and seeing what Latang did, just the, the determination. We just talked about it with Emmanuel. With that determination to get back to the ice, especially when you're a guy like Latang who... You know he's got a career. He's got the millions of dollars. He's got Stanley Cups. He's got awards, and he still fought back from a second stroke to get back on the ice. That kind of dedication, you love to see it. Yeah, he's a million times tougher than Teddy Bruschi. <laughs> oh my God, Randy. <laughs> and that's that's pretty cool. I guess if you've been through one and you know what it is and you know how to come back from it, then you just do. The fact that you can have a stroke and and still play, you know, strokes can I mean can be very dangerous and you know can lead people in different sorts of ways. So the fact that he's able to just let alone walk and talk and do all of the normal things to be able to play hockey again uh, after the second one is flat out amazing. So you know, hats off to him. Hopefully he stays healthy and hopefully this is not a reoccurrence that. You know, happens again. Hopefully, that's the, the the last one that he has to deal with. Absolutely, he has a small hole in his heart, and that's what causes the, oh. the strokes. This one was significantly less bad than his first one, according to the team doctors for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But again, the final line: twenty five shifts, twenty two minutes in ice time, seven hits, three block shots, and he got two penalty he's minutes great. as well. That Just an absolute Iron Man monster. I'm not sure if he's. I'm not sure. I ha- something tells me he's one of those guys who, if he does have them, at least two or three of them are fake. Okay, good. I just gotta. Good for him. I just gotta take a wild guess at that. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Matthew. <laughs> Thank you, Randy. Coming up, we're gonna head down the stretch. We're gonna tell you who the smartest of uh, us three is, and we're gonna head towards a balloon party with T Mac and Ajax here on 101 ESPN. You're-
back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Today is your final chance to support this year's 12 Days of T-Shirts fundraiser hosted by The Fast Lane and by 101 ESPN. Today, donate at least $25 online to support the Little Bit Foundation. The Little Bit Foundation is amazing, providing clothing and providing goods and books and school supplies for kids that are needing them in the St. Louis metro area. And you'll receive your choice of either a Jamie Rivers or Brad Thompson 101 ESPN jersey as a gift for your donation. Make your donation today during the Fast Lane's 12 Days of T-Shirts at 101ESPN.com. 12 Days of T-Shirts powered by McBride Homes. Carrie Davis, Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker. And uh, on Friday, we did do the old over-under. College season's over. So I have a little bit better chance now. <laughs> and here's I, the way things went. I don't. <laughs> uh, the Jets and Bills had an over-under of 43. Carrie thought that they would go over. Matthew thought that they would go over. Randy said they would go under. The two teams combined for 32 points with that over-under at 43, so I get that one right. Matthew and Kerry got it wrong. Vikings and Lions, the over-under was 52. Those two teams combined for 57. Kerry and Matthew both had that going over. They did. I had it going under. It didn't. So all of a sudden, we're all one and one after two games. Eagles and Giants, the over-under was 44 and a half. We all said that would go over, and the Eagles and Giants combined for 70. So all of a sudden, we're all two and one. Ravens and Steelers, an NFL game was <laughs> had an over-under of 36 and a half, and it went under. Yeah, it did. And then the the backup quarterbacks, the third string for the Ravens came in, yeah. and the backup for the Steelers came in. Yeah. So yeah. we all figured that it would go under, and it did. So as they combined for 30 points, we got that one right. And then the separator, with all of us being at 3-1 and one in the games, our prop bet was St. Louis and Jamison Williams to score a touchdown at plus 270. It was a yes or no proposition. Kerry said no. Matthew said no. Randy bet with his heart because he has him on his fantasy team and said yes. And what happened? Jamison Williams scored a 41-yard touchdown. So, on the week, Kerry went 3-2, and two, Matthew went 3-2, and two, Randy went 4-1 and one because I'm smarter. <laughs> I don't disagree with that. <laughs> uh, a lot of people would. One of those days, I guess I got to walk around and be like, hey, Randy Carricker's smarter than me. I wonder if Jamison and, Williams now will become... A guy that Detroit utilizes, man, he can fly, and he yeah. can even outrun. We we saw him do it in college, and you're when you're outrunning SEC defenses, we know you can play. Mm-hmm. But man, he outrun that outran that Viking secondary yesterday too. Yeah, he, he's the guy, as I said, can take the top off the coverage, and you're going to have to. It's one of those situations where when you're that fast, you have to. You have to sit back a little bit deeper. I'll give you a quick story. We were playing the New England Patriots the year that they went 17-0 or 16-0 mm-hmm. in the regular season and end up, what was it, 19-1 or 18-1 and lost in the Super Bowl. Yeah, to the they, it was 18-0 uh, and 0 and then... Oh, lost in the happened? Super Bowl. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so we were playing them and our safety... Uh, Anthony Smith said, "Yeah, we're gonna oh, break their. Yeah. We're gonna end their winning streak. Oh, we're gonna God. end it." And you got Randy Moss, who's playing probably the best football of his entire I career. Forgot you were on that team. You and oh, I'm not no. exaggerating, Randy. When you would turn the film on 
it looked like it was 11 Patriots versus 10 Steelers. He was so far off of the film that he was not in the film. That's how deep he was because he kept getting ran past. And when I, th- when I think about Jamison Williams, that's what I think. A guy that is just going to run past defenders where they're going to have to be either so deep that they're going to have to try to keep them in front or they're going to get ran past and you're going to have touchdowns and people, uh, the, the Lions scoring a lot of touchdowns because of it. And by that point, even if you're a young player, you've got to realize that Tom Brady's playing with a chip on his shoulder, being drafted 199th, right? Yeah. Tom, Tom Brady played with a chip. So if you give him any little bit of material... He's going to know about it, and he's going to utilize it. And what did he do when he threw over the top of the Steelers' defense when Anthony Smith was standing there helpless in the end zone after allowing another touchdown? He ran right to Anthony Smith and told him about himself repeatedly. Mm -hmm. Every time the ball went over his head, listen, we love Ryan Clark. Anthony Smith Mm -hmm. was starting on that defense before Ryan Clark was. Mm -hmm. Ryan Clark became the starter, I believe, after that game. Anthony Smith wound up playing for the Rams here. yep. And that was all he got asked about in his first uh, media gathering. I, I don't know why one would do that. <laughs> I, you know what? I have to ask now that you bring that up because that always jumped out to me, the fact that he was so determined not to be the one who got posterized by Moss that he was standing like 20 feet, 25 yards back yeah. off the line. Was that was he game plan to be that far off the line? No. Or was he taking a couple extra steps no. back for self-preservation? We, Coach T stopped the film and said, I don't know what the hell we're doing here. <laughs> We only got 10 people on defense. You're not on the film. Because he cuz not only did he make not only did he say the that they were going to like stop the Patriots offense, he specifically was like they're not going to go they're not going to go over the top on us. I'm not going to get beat deep. And so he was like I'm going to make sure at least that part's not that here's it. and takes an extra 4 or 5. I, I need to find back. the stats to that game cuz I I am certain there were more than a few uh, 30, 40 yard passes mm-hmm. in that game. And, 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 and to his credit, I don't think he started out 25 yards deep. <laughs> <laughs> but, but when you get beat deep enough that many times, you, you do take a few yards, a few steps back and say, the hell with this. I'm not going to let it happen anymore. Tonight, while the Blues and Predators hook up here on 101 ESPN, the Arizona Cardinals will host the New England Patriots. And if ever there was an offense that Bill Belichick could develop a plan against, I would think it's one that really counts on two people, right? It's Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. And you really don't have to worry about the other guys. That's what Belichick does. He takes your best thing away. So what's he going to do tonight? Is he going to double cover and make sure that Hopkins doesn't catch a pass, or are they going to try to find a way to make sure that Murray just doesn't get out of the pocket? I hope not. I got DeAndre Hopkins going oh. tonight in a fantasy and, league, and, and I need important. 10 points. Okay. <laughs> so I hope, he, uh, I hope he doesn't. But knowing Bill Belichick, he will, uh, he will definitely make sure that there is someone over the top of DeAndre Hopkins and try to limit how many passes and how many opportunities he has because that is Kyler Murray's favorite, ta- favorite target. Um, and, and Kyler Murray is going to have to find a way to get some of those other guys involved and and make sure that they can uh, make some plays as well. I'll be really intrigued if the Cardinals decide to part ways with their coach Cliff Kingsbury, who they bring in. Who what do you do if if Kyler Murray is your quarterback? Like w- when you see what Greg Roman has done with Lamar, do you go get Greg Roman as the offensive coordinator of the Ravens? Do you go try to make him your head coach and try to develop a plan where he, you you could try to kind of harness the talents of Kyler Murray that way? I think you I, – I, Greg Roman to me is – I think he's going to eventually part ways with Baltimore. I think they, that that project has kind of run its course. You're mm-hmm. going to have to find a different offense to to open that up. 
I don't necessarily know that that's the way you go with uh, with with Kyler Murray because you also remember Hollywood Brown is there as well. He that was part of the reason why True. he left Baltimore was probably to get away from that offense in that setting and how those plays were being run. So I don't know where I don't know if the, I don't know who the the correct coordinator is. I mean, it's Cliff Kingsbury is the one. He's the head coach. He's calling mm-hmm. the plays right. offensively. So I don't know that Cliff King, Kingsbury is also going to feel comfortable enough to give up the play calling duties to allow someone else to to come in and take. I'm about to replace Cliff Kingsbury. So, oh, you talking about Cliff Kingsbury no longer being there yeah, in yeah, general? Yeah. Ooh. Ah, that's a. You, you think he's gone after this year? I think there's a really good chance. Hmm. How about uh, you know? He just signed a, a new play. contract though. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, no matter. It's, it's just it's going to be him, or it won't be Kyler. So it's going to be potentially that, one of them. One that of them to going. me looks like a team that doesn't have a chance. It looks I, like his I fourth do not year. disagree. I don't disagree. So maybe you know who's getting a lot of play is the Philadelphia offensive coordinator. I don't recall his name right off the top of my head, but maybe some of the things that they're doing, and obviously With Jalen Hurts, yeah, yeah, that might that might make sense. To to, I mean, they have they have similar weapons, especially when Zach Ertz gets back. Hopefully, he's healthy next year. Connor is uh is is playing well. Yeah. You got Hollywood Brown should be coming back, and then you got uh, DeAndre Hopkins still there. That that may be a a a good fit. Um, for for Arizona Cardinals team, Shane Stetchen. That's it. Yeah, that's is that it. who that is? That's yep. the offensive coordinator for the Eagles. Yes, yep. you could have gave me five hundred chances. I yes, I could. And by, by the way, yeah. I, I got to that uh, Patriots Steelers game. They I mean, had four passes over twenty yards, three of them over thirty yards. Jabar Gaffney for thirty, um, Jabar Gaffney for fifty nine, and then obviously the the opening one that got Anthony Smith to take a few steps back. Randy Moss. Who was the guy? The uh, the guy that had the really was it Gaffney that had the really wide no, eyes? No, Rashe- 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 Caldwell. Rashe- Caldwell. Rashe- Caldwell. Yeah, he was on. Unbelievable. A great job today by our producer engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio. Good job, sir. Pleasure. CD? My man. My man. My man. man. (laughs) Great job as always. And we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. T-Mac and Ajax coming up next for all of us. Thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of it. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. (laughs) Yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.